what really gets my dick hard is Hey everyone, this is Tom Quee here from Alpha Metallica, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast. Are you ready for this? Are you ready? Welcome to Metal Up Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. And this is episode 85. We're talking about the Nemes 2009 show in this amazing, what was formerly uh, an arena where people probably died and battled animals for pleasure. Yeah, it was. it's no big deal. They played in a gladiatorial, gladiatorial arena yeah. in which lions likely ate Christian people. Yep. And uh, I like to believe that that great dark energy was still there in the arena when they when they played this wonderful set of heavy metal tunes. Well, uh, we'll get into it, but I know that at one point Hetfield mentions, you know, do we have any Metallica warriors out there, gladiators? <laughs> yeah. I did la- I did make a note of that and I did laugh at that because I know, it me too. <laughs> does, it's befitting and it's and it's so Hetfield dad humorish. It is. And and yet he was also being kind of serious. <laughs> he was. <laughs> anyone anybody want to battle the tiger we're about to le- release on stage? No, seriously, are there any gladiators here? Yeah. Russell Crowe, are you here? gladiator. <laughs> are you not entertained? Are you alive? Are you not entertained? Rome was but a whisper. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hey, dude, I am here to say what we do in life echoes through eternity, okay? You are so right. If I could just put that out there. If you're joining us for the first time, Ethan and I uh, are two professional touring musicians who get together every week to talk about our favorite metal band, the mighty gladiatorial Metallica. (laughs) Janitorial. And yeah, we're going to be covering this live show. We do those from time to time. Sometimes we've been on this gear kick where we've been talking about the guitars of Metallica. We cover band members and records and tours. We have special guests and all that today, though. It's just me and you. Just cozy it on up through the old, the power of the internet. Just the two of us. We building castles in the sky. Just the two of us. We can <laughs> gladiatorial and I. You and I. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm is, in Houston. I'm yeah. a, if you can hear the hum, I apologize to all of our listeners out there. Maybe we can put like a, a D noise on it, but I'm in the back of the bus somewhere in Houston. Ethan's back in Nashville. 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 Where you just sent me, I guess your records came in today, or your CDs came in. Yeah, uh, I know CDs are somewhat irrelevant to most people nowadays, but uh, I ordered CDs for the people on Kickstarter that, that uh, pre-ordered them, <clears throat> and to sell some shows, and I got the boxes in today, and I was I was thoroughly excited. It was, uh, I, you know, the only release I've had a, a physical copy of is my last EP on vinyl, but um, this is my first full length, so that's already exciting, so I got the boxes delivered on my porch, and uh, yeah, it was really fun just to open them up and... Hey, held it up like, look, that's me, and there's Clint on the well, back. Well, congrats, dude. I know you're. I, I know you're real excited. 
I definitely put me down for one of the vinyl. Yeah, for I sure. Want one. Well, I'll mail you a CD to Houston uh, today. Thank, yeah, if you could get it in priority, uh, or maybe via carrier pigeon, it could bring it to me by the time the show's over. Yeah, uh, yeah, it'll be in your bunk before before you leave. And then I won't have anywhere. <laughs> I won't have anything, a device to put it in. There's got to be a CD player on that bus still. <laughs> I've been thinking about. Uh, I've been thinking about getting a boombox again, like a cassette boombox with detachable speakers. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be that ambitious about it. Okay, but like in my garage, I think you've seen it. It's actually kind of where I keep all of our merch and stuff. But right. Like, yeah. It's where I like work on my guitars and and work on shit. Uh, it might be cool to have like a boombox in there with just cassette tapes. That'd be pretty bitching. And just listen to like my favorite cassettes in there. I don't know. Hey, I'll come over and join you. Well, one way that you guys can join us is you can come hang out with us in the socials world. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, YouTube. We've got a great website, MetalBeatPodcast.com. Uh, we can go leave us a review on iTunes if you want to. You don't have to. It's real easy to do, though, by the way. Yeah, don't do it. I've left reviews for all of my favorite podcasts. Oh, yeah, uh, for sure. It's really... It only it's, took a second. It's not it hard. It took a second. Yeah. Uh, we also have a Patreon. You're going to hear a commercial about that later. In the meantime, we want to just say uh, hello and thank you to our new friend and patron, Wesley Williams. Thank you, Wesley. All right. He got on the Patreon train, and we are ever so grateful. That's anything really different or cool or unique about the show is really only made possible by the people who donate uh, financially to the show via Patreon. So that's all we'll say about that. Uh, did you see this T-shirt thing we got going on this week? It's awesome. It's very cool. Pretty cool. So we've partnered with a company called Everpress, and uh, they sort of specialize in d- making unique merchandise for podcasts or bands or whatever, and they uh, they came to us with an idea to do some limited edition t-shirts. Uh, they do all the printing, and they handle all the orders. Yeah, shipping we get, everything. We get, we get to decide the price, which we priced it literally as low as it would let us go. We're not going to really make any money off this. We took a vote on what shirts you guys wanted. Everyone, it was it was maybe 60-40 between Lunar Satan and the Cover Our World Black End EP cover. Right, yeah. We went with that cover. They were only making 30, and I think already like 10 or 11 are spoken for. That's awesome. So, so you can go to our Instagram or our Twitter or our Facebook and find the link to this, but you can get them in three different colors, all different sizes. It all goes through EverPress. And it's just the cover. This Nick Makoviak's amazing cover work of uh, the, of our EP cover. Our blackened. So the the way they do it is they do it through these twenty day campaigns. So basically, there's like eighteen days left, and then that's it for that shirt. Right. It's like a it's like a pre order. Well, once they pr- once you get five orders, they go ahead and start making them. Yeah. So it's not even a pre order anymore. Now, if you buy one tomorrow, it, they will make it and ship it to you in like eight days. Yeah, that's amazing. So it's pretty cool, and I think it's going to be a fun way to like maybe once a month or once every couple of months have some really unique Metal Up Your Podcast merch that's available for people. I want to do some special merch for the patrons, etc. So it's just a cool new thing we're doing. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and uh, and we're very thankful to those guys over there at EverPress for re- they reached out to us. We didn't even know they existed. They reached out to us was say, hey, if you ever need this service, and we I think we kind of wrote it off as like spam or something. We're like, what is this? You know? Yeah. But they yep. fo- they followed up, and it, it's it's a great site, and they're doing us a good service, and you guys as well by providing you with this uh, cool new uh, cover our world black and shirt. Yeah. Um, and maybe maybe we'll even get some from the podcast and give them away as gifts. Yeah. And uh, if if you are one of the people that end up ordering one of these shirts, do us a favor and uh, post a photo of you wearing the shirt on socials or whatever. Tag us in it so we can check it out and maybe repost it on our socials. Absolutely. 
And that goes really for any Metal Up Your Podcast merch. I know those of you out there have a bunch of our shirts and patches and uh, guitar picks and buttons. We, Speedos. We've got quite a bit of merch out there. Yeah. Banana hammocks, as they're called. The yeah. Metal Up Your Podcast banana hammock. Yeah. Any pictures of those, you guys want to send this if you haven't already. We love putting that on our website or on our socials and all that shit. Having said all that, good grief. We get tons of emails a week, more than we can read on the show, but we do read five of them. And we've got them here collected. We're going to check in on the Metal Up Your Podcast fan community. Let's go to the email corner. Let's do it. All right. Our first email is from Lou Delila. De, uh, this, this last name is kind of tough sometimes. Delia? Delia. 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 Lou Delia. I think it's like Delia. It's yes. like that comedian Chris Delia. I heard him. He's yeah, I, like, he, I actually like him. Yeah, he's funny. Anyways, funny uh, dude. Anyways, Lou says, uh, what's up, boys? As always, thanks for the dedication to the show. Thanks for all the info and research you guys put into these episodes. Keep the gear shows coming. I can't wait for the episode on Rob's horrendous looking Warwicks. <laughs> uh, thanks again, Lou, from uh, Parsippany? Parsippany? Parsippany. Parsippany, New Jersey, New Jersey. Um, actually from New Jersey. Uh, wow. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Rob's basses. I, I will say I love the tone of his basses. I do, too. He's uh, got a great tone, for yeah, sure. Aesthetically, I've never really been a fan of those, those little Warwick basses. When he pulls out the jazz bass or a P bass, I'm on that train. I'm I'm I regret to tell you Ethan that I don't really like almost anything going on with Rob aesthetically. You said don't? I don't. I mean we're talking jerseys, we're talking shorts, we're Bra- talking white, we're talking white socks, braided hair, white white ankle socks. We're talking you know, surfer punk vibe, which you know, it's just it's it's an odd looking Metallica. I mean I I think I think for me being from Southern California like the white sock thing, the shorts the jerseys, even though I don't own a jersey, it doesn't bug me as much as the bass. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Call me old old fashioned though, but I, I I prefer tight black jeans, tight black shirt. Well, you're from Mississippi. A lot of people wear tight black jeans down there. Excuse me, Paul Moke. Paul, he's from Mississippi. Paul. I'm from Alabama. I'm from Alabama. Oh, I forgot for a second. You're you from- know what's funny? You know what's funny about being from the from from those areas is that it's is just that- those areas. Well, I was going to say is like people in Alabama look down on people in Mississippi and people in Mississippi look down on people in Alabama. And <laughs> like we both think the other is more redneck. And it really it should be like, "Hey guys, you realize the rest of the country looks us looks at us as equals." <laughs> yeah, we're on the same intramural volleyball team called the Toothless Southerners. By the way, uh let's let's bring in Louisiana for a minute with the exception of New Orleans. Yeah. Actually, oh yeah. New Orleans Horrible. is New Orleans is probably the reason that most people don't think that Louisiana is as rednecky as Alabama or Mississippi. Absolutely. If they didn't have New Orleans, they would they would be lumped into that category for sure. I mean, Baton Rouge is okay, but yeah, New Orleans is is a huge diamond in the rough there. Right, right. It, it's similar to Nashville and, and Tennessee, although we also have. Uh, I would argue that Knoxville and Chattanooga are nice places. Oh yeah, for sure. I like Memphis Mem- has a lot of history, but Memphis is pretty much a shithole. It's gotten better. I like Memphis. It, it is getting better. It's kind of like the Detroit of the South. <laughs> it kind of is. That's a good. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> it's a good comparison. But they've done a lot of good stuff there. I, I was in Memphis not too long ago, maybe six months ago for a show, and I was shocked at how different that city was. Well, I know we got people that listen to the show that we love and respect and care about that live in all these places. But hey, what can we say? We're just keeping it real. What can we say that we already have not just said? 
what can we say that hasn't already been said by millions of other people? <laughs> All, right, All right, our next email is from uh, a friend of the show, Mark Ferguson. He says, hey, last week you talked about Bon Jovi's Wanted Dead or Alive and the John's, which Ethan was correct in saying, John's solo song, Blaze of Glory. He says, as a Metallica fan, by way of MTV-friendly pop metal, I can tell you all about it. Ooh, okay, do tell. He's uh, ga- uh, Gather around, children, for Bon Jovi story time. It's, it's Bon Jovi hour. He says, while making Young Guns 2, the producers wanted to use the hit Wanted Dead or Alive, but the song lyrics didn't work. For example, Cowboys of the American West did not ride steel horses. Hmm, curious fact. Mm, I'd says, like to see some facts on that, actually. I would like to see some evidence there. He you says, so that. anyway. Yeah, you don't know. Were you fucking there, Mark? Yeah. Pa? Mark? <laughs> he says, so John? <laughs> Richie? Tico? Do you... <laughs> We're naming all the members of Bon Jovi. <laughs> he says, so John wrote a new song with a ton of similarities to Wanted Dead or Alive, including the intro, chord progression, and outro. Basically, the unforwanted two. <laughs> I loved this email That's when I read good. it. He says, uh, so anyway, that was the backstory on that for all of us dying to know. He says, last week you also talked about the By Request Tour and set lists in general. Considering the enormous catalog and a portion of the fan base who craves the deep cuts, do you think Metallica could play multiple shows in big markets and, say, do a night one of all classics, night two of deep cuts and covers? Assuming they did it in bigger markets, could they sell out both nights? Are there any other bands who could do this? Maybe Dave Matthews, U2, Pearl Jam. Would you prefer to attend night one or night two? These are good questions. These are great questions. And I could tell you right now, I would prefer to attend both nights. But yeah, a, 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 deep, a Deep Cuts covers whatever night would be pretty amazing for the diehards, I think. And of course, I would love, I mean, the stadium show was basically a best of set list with the exception of maybe one or two songs. I just I just don't think they could do two stadiums in a row where one was only Deep Cuts. I just I think don't they think could, it's possible. I think they could do arenas. And, do, and, and get, I mean, away, get away with that? Yeah, maybe. I, I think I think what happens is we as diehards um, sort of assume there are maybe more of us than we think or that we, that, that we represent the hive mind. <laughs> right. <laughs> when the truth really is, is that we're called diehards for a reason. You know, like we, we are a fringe of the, of the hive. Right, exactly. And you know, like I think this was proven on the by request tour when they did when they let fans vote, fan and let it be democratic. Fans mostly kind of overwhelmingly voted for the hits. Yeah. It, and that just means there aren't enough diehards. And so I think I think when they do like the Fillmore, like four nights at the Fillmore of mostly deep cuts. Yeah. Or when they curated their own festival and played, you know, Escape and Trapped Under Ice. Yeah. Like, I think I think they can get away, just like we're going to talk about with Neems, that you could throw in Dyer's Eve here. Yeah, exactly. You could tease Frayden's Insanity over here. Maybe a little bit of Disposable Heroes. Maybe a little bit of Leper Messiah. Okay. All right. Right, right. What if they did a, tour, I, a tour where th- there was, you know, ob- obvious arena dates happening, but the night before every arena show, they, they picked the biggest club in that city and did a night where it's like 1,000 or 2,000 people and that's the night before the show they did all these deep cuts that would be right I, I think in a perfect world that'd be the way to go but what would happen is the exclusivity of it would would still attract um, tire kickers like like average fans just because it'd be like ooh we get to see Metallica in a club they might not even go to see them play Fixer which right. I want to see them play Fixer I don't care that it's a thousand people or, you know ma- I mean? or, or, make the, or make the tickets available to only fifth members ooh 
now are there enough fifth members? I mean, there's like a data, there's like a data pool that we just don't have access to. I right. Guess. Now he talks about these other bands. He, it's interesting. He mentions Dave Matthews. This is going to bum maybe you out, maybe a lot of our listeners. I'm a huge Dave Matthews band fan, and I've been list, like kind of dipping back in the last few weeks, listening to a lot of it, and really, really having a good time. Right. Yeah. I hey, Dave man. Matthews is what Dave Matthews is similar to Pearl Jam. I don't. I, hey, listen. I don't. I don't knock Dave Matthews. There you go. Ex- I was going to sing Exit Light Inner Night over that. <laughs> okay, hang on one second. One, two, three, four. Exit Light Inner Night Take my hand Off to never, never land That was beautiful, dude. Gorgeous. We should start a Dave Matthews Metallica mashup project. That was actually a preview of Cover Our World Black in Part 2. <laughs> now, Dave Matthews and Pearl Jam both have... They've curated a career for themselves where they are pretty much able to play any deep cuts they want, no matter how big the show is. Right, exactly. I mean, Pearl Jam's over in Europe doing huge, huge arenas and opening and playing... They opened a show recently with this song called Wash that's a B-side. Right, yeah. They can do that the, kind the, of stuff. And Dave Matthews is the same. Now, I hate to say it this way because I hate to pit these bands against each other in this way because they're some of my favorite bands. Metallica's about twice as big as Pearl Jam. They've sold about twice as many records. Sure. They they play stadiums. And you just can't get away with shit like that the more people you're responsible for entertaining. Right. Well, and Pearl Jam and Dave Matthews have, have built that fan base that's it's it's really kind of in that jam band world. Where it's like yeah. it, does, it doesn't matter what you're up there playing; it's all about this experience. And like, you can play a B side as your opening song or your encore or whatever, right. and people are still stoked. The, the fans of Pearl, like almost every fan of Pearl Jam, likes literally every song they've ever done. It's know? true. It's they don't have a lot of there's not a lot of divisive material. And even even like think about it this way: one of their most famous songs that they play generally for their encore every encore is a song called yellow lead better right yeah that that literally is a gibberish lyric that means nothing and a b-side and it's a b-side and there's literally no lyric he literally mumbles and watermelons his way yeah. through the whole lyric and it's somehow this watermelons right tastes so good oh, so refreshing on a summer outside. day <laughs> now Metallica simply doesn't have a song that's completely meaningless. Their big hits are songs like Inner Sandman and Master of Puppets. and I just feel like they have more responsibility to the material. Right. And I don't mean that as an insult to Pearl Jam at all. I just of mean course not. It's two different... It's just two different things. And I would say U2 is more like Metallica. U2 oh, is yeah. going to... U2 is playing huge stadiums with some of the most um, progressive technology available for live entertainment. Yeah, and you just you just can't wing shit and and play a bunch of bullshit. You can kind of work a deep cut in for the diehards, but that's like a little bitty morsel for the diehards. Yeah, for sure. But the overall message, and it's a message that diehards just have to fucking deal with, is that though we care about the band more than the tire kickers, those shows are always for the tire kickers. You have it correct, Clint. Unless they're doing some kind of special Fillmore anniversary shit, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, bands, yeah, bands like Metallica, if they're going to do something like that, they need to do it in a small club with the quote-unquote diehards. And you know what? We'll all be there. 
Oh, that's yeah. what's cool about that. Like the oh. Webster Hall show, the the, yeah. the House of Van show. Exactly. <clears throat> what was that show they did? When it, it was the, um, it was called A Week in the Life of Metallica, and it was like during Load and Reload, and they went over to England and they played like a small club there where Jason passed out and shit. Oh right, I don't remember the name of that venue. They played like two by four, like they were playing. They played two by four live there. Yeah, you know? which like, is amazing. It's this little sweaty cool club, or, or like when they played uh, that club show with Bob Rock. Yeah. Or even, or hell, you know? even doing the 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 truck bed show with Bob Rock on bass at a Raiders game. Yeah, you know, right. Which that's a good show, by the way. Yeah, Bob real, Rock's real background good. vocals. Bob Bob Rock's background vocals on Fuel are really cool. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, Mark from San Jose, California, New Jersey, New Jersey. That was an excellent question. Always good to hear from Mark. We'll move on on the emails. All right, our next email is from. All right, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Now I lay me down to sleep, sleep. <laughs> baby. Often never never land. <laughs> Often never never land. <laughs> I do have to say, I, honestly, and I, I've always felt this way. That is probably my least favorite Dave Matthews song. I hate that song. It's still, a, I think it's still a beautiful song, but yeah, it's it's not my. It's favorite. a beautiful song about a pervert. Yeah. Hike up your explorer a little more and show your <laughs> show- riffs to me. And show more beer to me. <laughs> All right, let's 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 move on here. Okay. Uh, our next email is from Dave David Matthews. Right. Uh, next email is from John. Uh, wow, is it, I assume that's a capital I. Ianoni. 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 John Ianoni says, "Hey, fellas, love the show. Especially, I'm especially a big fan of the concert breakdowns. Hey, well, you're in luck." Um, we'd love to hear episodes on Bidge and Purge, Mexico City, and guess what? Neem's 09. Well, we're doing it. Hey, uh, John, if you're listening right now, guess what? We're talking about Nimes. You must be tickled to goddamn death, John Iannone. Wow. Can you, like, tell we're the, doing, you tell the future we're doing the or something? the thing you asked for. All right, Mike Fell writes, It's been really interesting listening to you guys over the last two episodes talk about guitars and what songs they've been used for. As a non-musician who loves live music, I've never paid any attention to the gear anyone uses in any of the thousands of live sets I've seen from all genres of artists. I could vaguely picture the Flying V or the Snake Bite when talking about James, but still Googled them to be sure. Oh, wow. The only He says, the only Kirk guitar I could picture was the Boris Karloff. I'm curious if that's just me or if musicians pay attention to that and non-musicians don't. Well, I would say musicians probably pay attention more. Sure, yeah. But I think non-musicians... Some of them hone in on that too. I think, especially I, well, I think guitars because they're so iconic looking. Yeah, especially like a, a guitar like a Flying V or an Explorer, something that that Kirk and James have been playing for so long. Non musicians still know, like, oh yeah, that's what James plays. It's an Explorer. Or like, they may not know that's what it's called, but the pointy they can one. Identify it in a lineup. Yeah, the one with points. He plays the one that looks like a weapon. Well, it's it's a good question. It's Let's good, move on yeah, for sure. Let's move it on. Last email is from Susan Bond. This is she, Melody NJ, by the way. Yeah, that's right. She says, well, she says, what's up, brothers? But it's from a, a, a female, so should I try to do Hulk Hogan, if, Hulk Hogan's sister? Do Hulketta Hogan. <laughs> Hulketta Hogan. What's up, brother? <laughs> <laughs> I definitely can't do that. Sorry. What's up, wow. brothers? What's up, brothers? How about that? Hey, brothers. Um, she said, it's been a while, but I wanted to weigh in on the gear episode. I liked it. Did you? Did you? Do you? Uh, yep, I did. I thought it was uh, I thought it was not going to hold my interest, but it did, and I'm looking forward to the next one. 
Ethan, good job on the ballads. Sanitarium is my second favorite, as well as Hero of the Day uh, is my number one. Uh, it, uh, it has one of the simplest, beautiful solos in their whole collection. I'm glad to be on the ride with you guys, and I hope to keep keeping on. Melody and Jay, Susan, from New Jersey. I did think I did, I was surprised that Hero of the Day is her favorite ballad because she is she's one of the kind of purest thrash fans. She likes the first four. She's into the first right, four. Right? Yeah, totally. But Hero of the Day is her favorite ballad. That's that speaks to the the unifying power of Hero of the Day. The unifying power of the load reload era. And it's as simple as that, folks. If you want us to read your thing on the show, you can email Ethan and I. Uh, I almost gave you my personal email address. You can email Ethan and I, metal up your podcast show at gmail.com. We will re- Here's what's going to happen when you do that. We receive the email. Okay, Whoa, you with What? Me? Really? We read the email privately. No, no way. Yeah, that's, the, that's step number two. It goes into a queue, and when it's time to record a little thing called an episode, depending... On if you're a patron or not, or if it's topical, we'll read that goddamn Get fucking right correspondence out of town. Get out on of the town. next episode. That's exactly how it happens. Wow. Incredible. I didn't even know that how that's how it went down. I'm you know what I'm here to do? I'm here to I'm here to pull the cobweb from the eyes and ears. I'm here mm. to they that's why they call me the revelator. I'm here <laughs> to bring light and truth to a darkened, cloudy, cobwebby world. And that's his personal email address, the revelator at hotmail.org.angelfiregeocities.gov <laughs> Alright, thanks for sending the emails, folks. Let's get out of here. Peace. Later. Hey, this is Ethan and Clint from Metal Up Your Podcast, and we want to talk to you about something we love called Patreon. That's right. Patreon is a way for fans of the show to give back to the show to donate money that uh, helps us in quality and content. And not only that, but we've actually come up with all sorts of fun incentives to give back to you for supporting the show. Exactly. For instance, if you donate $5 or more, you get access to Cover Our World Blackened, which is the official Metal Up Your Podcast Metallica cover EP. That's right, and that's the only way to get it. In addition to the EP, we also give you priority email access, meaning we'll read your email first on the show. We give you early access to Patreon-exclusive merchandise, Patreon-exclusive giveaways, and any other side projects Ethan and I might be involved in. There's all sorts of things you can look at on there and you can donate to. Go check it out. Patreon.com slash Metal Up Your Podcast. How do you spell that, Clint? P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Metal Up Your Podcast. And if you really think about it, $5 a month for an entire year, that's really just like a cup of coffee a month. So go check it out. Thanks, everyone. Peace. Adios. All right. Let's jump into the show. And before I do that, no, I'm not going to play Dave Matthews again. I got to do this. There we go. What was that? A little cerveza. Oh, I'm having a beer. What are you drinking? I actually just, I was at Trader Joe's the other day, and they have this new Mexican lager, and it's called Tijuana. And okay. I could not buy it because I grew up about two hours north of Tijuana, and uh, it's actually really good. I'm enjoying it right now on this and Tijuana's where, And Tijuana is where your favorite prostitutes live. That's right, and that's where the best drinking water is in Tijuana. Okay, so we're going to be talking about Francois Pour Un Nut. That was a which, good Frenchman. Thank you. Which means French for one night. Uh, this was recorded in Nimes, France on July 7th, 2009, during the World Magnetic Tour at the aforementioned 2,000-year-old gladiatorial Coliseum Arena. Beautiful outside. Oh, gorgeous. Uh, 
the boys really did they did a lot of documenting of the old world magnetic tour we've got quebec magnetic we've got this one we've got the mexico city dvds the through the never was kind of the same death magnetic e coffiny stuff right yeah a lot of a lot of documents of that shit. I wonder what we're going to get from Hardwired. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, the only time will tell, obviously. But I mean, it's technology is proven nowadays, and you've seen the shows with all the video content and all that stuff. I mean, all those shows are being recorded on Pro Tools. All that video footage is being archived. Like Metallica could release a live DVD for every single show they do nowadays. I remember Matt telling us. Uh, you'll have to go back and listen to our episode with Matt Thomas. I can't remember the details, but. Or maybe it was one of that video guy we talked to. He was talking about all the hard drives they have, like for every day, yeah. for all the for all the audio content which they have, multi tracked and all stemmed out, plus all the just the video content. It was that probably they got it was, yeah. It was probably uh, my friend Jason Labelle. It who, was like seventeen floppy disks or something. Yeah, I think it was zip zip disks. Uh, was what they're using now. They, they went right. away from floppy disks. Yeah, right. So uh, the openers were Mastodon and Lamb of God. This DVD was released in three formats, one standard DVD with a luxurious 16-page booklet, Ethan. Beautiful. A Blu-ray with the same deal, same booklet, and then also a deluxe limited edition box set that came with the DVD, a CD of Death Magnetic, a large t-shirt, laminated pass, and five exclusive photos. And I found this interesting. Other than Ross Halfin, the British photographer who took photos of the gig, the entire project was made by, like, French local professionals who did the art direction, the, all the uh, the videography. That's awesome. It was completely all sort of in-house of the country of France, which I, that's a cool way to do that. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, keep, yeah, contributing to their economy. Yeah, it's nice. That's un-American. Yeah, the, the French are stealing our heavy metal local hand gigs. Everyone pour out your French wine in the rivers. Whatever. <laughs> the, the French tea party. The French, French tea wine party. tea party. All right. Well, you want to just jump into a track list here? We're going to talk about kind of what's to. interesting or different about the songs. I've definitely, since doing the gear episodes, found that I am extremely honed in on the guitars. Right. Yeah. More so than ever, because now I'm like, oh, Kirk's playing the mummy guitar. Is that the original mummy or one of his like copies? I thought the same thing when I when I uh, rewatched this. I've seen this performance a few times, but rewatched obviously for the episode. Right. And I, I was thinking the same thing on every guitar. I'm like, oh, there's the caution one. Like, oh, the Ouija right. in black, you know. Right, totally. So it's kind of fun now. Like, It's so fun. And in fact, James plays several guitars that we didn't even mention in the episode. Yeah, like the Black and White Explorer. Well, he, well, we'll get into it, but yeah, <laughs> several of them. Yeah. Um, so they start with the XC of Gold, and I love this intro shot because it's not quite... The sun hasn't quite gone down. It's kind of like twilight. And you know that, like... You know the way things look at twilight they look real clear you know yeah. what i'm talking about it's the golden hour there's the golden hour right yeah oh dude by the way there's this movie called days of heaven it's a terrence malick flick from the 70s okay called uh well it's called days of heaven entirely filmed during the golden hour there's no really? artificial there's no artificial light in the whole thing coincidentally days of thunder was too Oh, I love a good uh, Tony Scott film. <laughs> That's interesting, though, in all seriousness, to film an entire movie just at the Golden Hour. That's pretty amazing. Well, and it took forever, as you can imagine, and it was a, apparently the making of it was a huge mess. It's one of Richard Gere's first films. Well, you basically you basically have at best like an hour and a half to film, right? Maybe two hours. Um, 
anyway. But it, I, lo- I love I, this intro. I, I love that very first like fade in shot. It's like a crane shot at the top of that arena. Just right. kind of like it comes up. You see people at the very top of it who have like the nosebleed seats, and then it kind of comes over the wall, and you, all of a sudden you see the whole crowd. It's it's a gorgeous shot. Totally. I mean, I always think when when bands do big shows at venues like that, like what a bummer if it rained, you know? Hey, I'm sure that, I guarantee that was probably a rain or, rain or shine show unless there was lightning. But but it but it raining would have really fucked up the old uh, DVD part of it. It would have, or maybe it would have made it look awesome. Who knows? Well, that's true. That's I mean, true. Might you, have, might have looked kind of badass. You've seen Prince doing Purple Rain at the Super Bowl in the rain. In Purple Rain. It, it rained purple It rained him. purple just that day in Florida. Oh, Christ up there crying purple tears for the purple one. Yeah, totally. <laughs> now, I of course, they probably told them, we're filming this. Uh, we need you to go extra crazy. There's all that stuff, but the crowd seems real pumped. Like... I've seen this maybe three or four times. I know what it's like before a show. But even watching it uh, today, I like got chills when the crowd started singing Ecstasy of Gold. Yeah. Just the anticipation, you know? Oh, I know, man. Well, it, even when it, right when Ecstasy of Gold ends, the, the volume difference when they start cheering because they know, okay, after this song ends, we know we're getting fucking Metallica. Right. It, like their explosion of noise right when Ecstasy of Gold ends is – I got chills watching it again. I'll tell you another thing that really struck me this time watching it is how minimal the stage is. Yep. There are there are no video screens to be found anywhere on this show. Right. It's just a big open deck with Lars's orange Tama kit in the middle, which aren't the orange Tom is what he was rocking during World Magnetic, right? Right. That's kind yeah. of his thing. And then to the side of his kit are these rows of the Death Magnetic kind of scary guy logo with the wings. Yeah bunch of cabinets just, on stage just those cabs and that's kind of it and they, F- they have facing facing both directions too. the cab facing court. both facing both sides right um what a cool idea because you know they could they can have any production they want but I, i'm i'm sure there was some philosophy behind that of like this is an old arena let's yeah. just keep it real stripped down and and just make it all about the music i thought that was great yeah me too and i love that they had that because they had the cabinets facing both directions because there was people in in the stands behind them Right. So Sometimes I, when they yes, some arena type shows they don't sell the tickets behind the stage. Right. Yeah. They'll, they'll curtain it off or whatever. Exactly. Um, but yeah, if you're going to actually sell those tickets, Pearl Jam's pretty good about that too. Like they'll actually turn around and perform songs for the people in the back. And yeah. Now, Xy of Gold ends, and you know I love not knowing the set list. Like when I'm when I'm watching a tour. Metallica was different with us last year because we had to we're doing the podcast and we kind of had to be able to talk about what was going on. But in normally, I don't try to see figure out what the set list is going to be. Yes, I like exa- to exactly. Be, I like to be on the ride. And seeing as how Blackened is my second favorite Metallica song, and not one they open with very often. Yeah. How exciting must it have been to hear that intro tape? Oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean, I was excited, and I'd seen this performance numerous times. And what's that, even cooler is that when the intro tape stops at bada da ba 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 ba, it's just Lars out there. They it's just, just a really, long pause. Yeah, I they love just really that long pause. Milk that. And it's just that sort of calm before the storm, dude. Because when James rips into that, man, it's just like shit. Here we go. It oh, feels yeah. like being on a roller coaster. Yep, exactly. Yeah, the and intro. I gotta say, the intro was the cl- climb. To the, the intro is the climb to the top of that first drop on a roller coaster, and then once James kicked in, it's like let inertia take over and just fucking go. And I gotta say, man, I don't. I know I'm, I've talked. I'm not a big fan of that black truckster. Uh, but it sounds good on this tune, man. It sounds good, man. And, and you know, after doing that Hetfield guitar episode, 
I, in my mind, I was thinking like, I don't know if I love the Truckster too, but like when I saw it again on, on this show, I was like, uh, it's it's pretty cool. <laughs> I got to say, I like the black one better than the gray one. Yes, we're gonna it, do it. Let's do yes, the black one. Agreed. I, you know what's weird though? I don't know if I've ever seen him play the gray one. I've seen it like I know that was a production model. Like in the yeah. guitar store I worked in in Birmingham, we sold one, but I've never seen him play a gray one. Have you? Uh, God, maybe. I mean, I'd have to look up some videos, and if I see it, then I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen that before. But I know the one you're talking about, but I don't know specifically if I've sat down and watched a performance where I'm like, oh, the great truckster. Well, Kirk's playing the mummy guitar, and I know it's the original because the pickups are, like, scratched white up yeah, at the top yeah. of them. Oh, yeah, they're really from, worn down. From the pick. Yeah. And James does, of course, before the bridge, the da-da-da-da. He does the, are you out there, names? Yeah. I gotta I like say... I like how they lean into that shit. The big, the big crowd shouting stuff. I mean, dude. I mean, we we know from experience, and people listening know from experience that when you're at a show, and James asks if we're out here, like we're out here in the crowd, what do we do? We don't go. Yeah. No, we want to let him know. We, by the way, James, we are here. Yeah, we're here. We're like, hey, James, out here. <laughs> James. James. I'm standing by Big Mick. Do you? Did you? <laughs> I got. I gotta say, and we've talked about this before. Um, don't love Rob's backup vocals on this song. No, I. You know, it's weird. Sometimes they do it where they just have the echo effect. Yeah. Where where who like Big Mick or whoever is like right. kind of writing an echo effect, and then you just hear James's own voice do it. Yeah. And then sometimes, yeah, sometimes Rob and Kirk jump in, and this is one where it is Rob. I, I'm the same. I, it's not my favorite. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> you know, we've talked about it at, at length. That you know we feel that jason had the best backup vocals of all the bass players and uh listen rob's a monster bass player he's a great addition of metallica but he's just he doesn't have that that gut behind his voice that jason did when especially on a song like black and where it's like opposition opposition you know yeah i agree and i think i think that's a pretty unanimous opinion i don't know anyone that prefers rob and kirk trying to step in for jason yeah there i are- will say though yeah, I will say that this is probably the lowest moment of it. There are background vocal moments in this show that aren't bad. Oh yeah, I was going to. There's some surprising moments. I was going to bring up that we'll get to it uh, when we get to that song. But like, there's moments where Kirk did backup vocals, and I was like, ah, that's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, I know. Me too. Yeah, Same. And, yeah, and, and 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 to me, like, this is really the lowest point of the whole show is just Rob's backup vocals, and if that's it, then this is a kick-ass show. Absolutely, I totally agree. The solo's good. It's nice to see the kind of guitar mini James and Kirk thing, and then Kirk's out on his own ripping. It's just such a great song. And then they kind of let it hang, and then we get the one-two punch of Blackened into my number one favorite Metallica song, Creeping Fucking Death. Yeah, this one they, they destroyed, man. It, it was really good. It's weird because it's such a great... It's it's such an obvious closing song because of the bridge and everything, mm-hmm. but it's also just, just whoop their ass at the top of the set with it, too. Right, exactly. It's like Seek and Destroy. Sometimes they do that earlier at the top, sometimes at the end. It works so great for both. Yep, agreed. Um, Robert switches over to the white P bass. It's not the Jocko one, but it's a white, right? Like This is like a probably a 60s or 70s white yeah, P the, bass. Yeah, the Jocko one is black. Um, right. This one I love, and like I actually like I made a note that like I love the sound of Rob's bass on this song. Like P basses have such a distinct sound to them. If you hear it on a record, whether it's played with a pick or your fingers, it sounds like a P bass, and I love it mm-hmm. on this song. And honestly, when I was watching Creeping Death, I was like, I wish he would just play this bass for the rest of the show. Like it, it's yeah, not that I his, agree. his Warwick tiny awkward basses 
don't sound bad. They sound huge, and we've we've heard them in person. But I just, I mean, I'm a P bass cat, you know. Like I, yeah, it's I, I got one because Didi Ramon had one because Paul Simon from the Clash had one. But I think they're they're so useful in any style of music. The P bass stands for precision bass. The, t- the two most kind of famous basses are a Fender precision bass or a jazz bass. The P basses are sort of known for rock rock and roll. Right. The, the, well, the Jocko when he has is a jazz bass. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's Jocko Pistorius. That's like jazz fusion. Right. I mean, it still sounds great. I'm just saying they're they're typically known. The P bass is more known for rock music. Yes, exactly. Um, and you're right. It, I mean, this bass when when they suck down after the solo, which it's kind of a sloppy Joe solo from Kirk, but right. when it sucks down into the uh, the die stuff and it goes down to just the toms and the bass, and it Rob's sounds, just sort of holding it down, it, it sounds, sounds great. great. It really it sounds, sounds good. It sounds huge. I'm not really missing the guitars. It's good for a big breakdown. Yeah, for sure. And it's a great opportunity. Like, I loved in this show that like before James even had to start yelling "die," uh, the whole crowd. The second they hit that as the guitars were ringing out, the crowd just starts going "die, die" right away. Yeah, here's what you don't want to be in the Neems Arena: the one guy that doesn't know that song or what to do during that part. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> imagine, imagine not. Imagine being like, "Oh, I like the song. This is cool. I'm really glad I came to this concert." Next thing you know, thirty thousand people around you are screaming the word "die." Yeah, and you're like, "What the fuck? Oh shit! They're they're, they're about to re- release a bunch of lions in this arena." Yeah, they're about to release Satan in this arena. <laughs> and this is a. Uh, and by the time they end this song, it's full dark now, which is awesome. It's badass, and that's when we get James's metallica war getting warriors here any gladiators yeah any gladiators got some metallica gladiators out there do you remember watching the american gladiators on television uh of course yeah what a strange show you know what i'm gonna go ahead and call an audible right here i want to i would like to insert a clip of there is an american gladiator and his name was malibu yeah, I remember blonde-haired guy. He was ba- he was basically he sounded like like Stevo or like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Okay, and it's this amazing clip of him being interviewed after he took a big fall and like took a few weeks off and and got healed. I- I'm not gonna even. He's just he basically plays like a Southern California surfer dude. Let's take a listen real quick. Okay. Welcome back to Universal Studios Hollywood and the American Gladiators. Now, last time we saw our gladiator, Malibu, he was flying through the air from a tremendous kick delivered by Brian Hudson. And the last time he landed, we weren't sure where he wound up. Hey, Malibu, after you got drilled by that human cannonball, I thought, hey, there is no way this guy is going to live to play another day. You're alive. You're well. What happened? Did you go to the hospital? Did you get x-rays? Well, dude, it's like this. I saw this guy coming. And I took the most excellent hit of my life. The next thing I knew, I was on the beach, taking in some cosmic rays, getting healed by Mother Nature, taking a little brewski, holding on a beautiful babe, and I'm fine today. So no hospital, no doctors, just Mother Nature, huh? Oh, I'm a child of Mother Nature. What do you expect? Malibu, you are truly amazing. He took a licking, and he is still ticking. Sweet. Wow. All I know is I was being healed by Mother Nature. <laughs> <laughs> I love that at the, beginning of it, he, at the beginning of it, he goes, after he asked me, he goes, oh, Malibu, you took a huge hit. How'd you ever bounce back? He goes, well, I took the most excellent hit of my life. <laughs> wow, dude. It's amazing. That is totally Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which, by the way, 
they ha- they now have a script for the sequel to Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. I'm in. I'm in. I'm so in. I'm in. Oh, dude, speaking speaking of, I guess it would be considered a sequel. Um, the new Cobra Kai series. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I want to. I've already watched the series twice. Whoa! If if now, I think people will love it if they're a big fan of the Karate Kid. Were there people? Are there people that weren't who don't or didn't like the fucking Karate Kid? I mean, I've got a friend that's only like three years younger than me, and he grew up in Australia. However, the Karate Kid, he's never seen it. What the I Karate know. Kid is a multinational international symbol yes of he- of heroism overcoming obstacles getting the good guys getting the girl yeah good versus evil and, and yeah good guys winning despite the evil machinations of the cobra kai who will cheat who will lie who will manipulate you just to fucking win well i got to say if you haven't seen cobra kai yet it is without giving out any spoilers i will say it has a great amount of nostalgia Good heartwarming moments, great action, okay. and it goes it goes deep. It goes way deeper than you think. What's the um? What's the porno sitch? Oh, it's every episode opens <laughs> with some hardcore <laughs> porn sitches. The Cobra Kai. <laughs> oh boy! Um, no, uh, that was just fresh in my mind because I, I just rewatched it with one of my buddies. Um, and we just refinished it two nights ago. So when you mentioned sequels, yeah, it's awesome. I'm ready to watch it again, honestly. I'm kind of a sucker for like when people parody normal movies with porn titles. <laughs> I think that's so funny, dude. Like for, like Forest so, Forest Hump. Like someone tagged me the other day because you know some of my friends know that I'm pretty serious about movies, and they were like tagging me in this thing that was like post the the four most important movies of your life. And everyone's being real serious, you know, like the Shawshank Godfather and Sha- yeah, exactly, you know, and and then you you also put like the movie poster from them, and so right. the four I sent out to everybody was like, um, Titanic, uh, Saving Ryan's Privates, <laughs> Ed- Edward Penis Hands, <laughs> and the Booncock Saints, the Booncock Saints, and these are all apparently real real films. I'm sh- oh, I know, I'm sure they are. I just think that's really funny because I'm a man child. You know what? The, the older you get, there's some things that are just still funny and will always be funny. Like a penis joke to me is always still funny. Well, Edward penis hands doesn't even make sense. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but it's so ridiculous. Like just replace scissor with penis It'll, and we'll call it that. It is as simple as that. All right. Well, next in the show. Speaking they of play- fuel. They play Fuel, which uh, my first note is that it's a barn burner. Uh, that's funny because that is my first note, too. No way. You wrote barn burner for real? Yes, yes way. I did. I, I have your notes in my right hand and my notes in my left hand right now. Hear that? There they are. We both uh, wrote barn burner. That's yeah, great. Bar, uh, barn burner, and then, I, and then immediately I, I just wrote pyro is so bitchin'. Yeah, the, this is kind of the first time we really see the pyro. And, you know, we mentioned that the show is pretty minimal, and it still is even with the pyro. They have the pyro kind of coming out of in between the cabinets on the stage. Yeah, it's on, on there, and then later we see it on the front and the back of the stage, but that's pretty much it. Right, yeah. It's pretty, well, pretty they, have stuff on, they have stuff on top of the arena, which we'll get to at the very end of the show. But. Right, but they Spoiler kind of save alert. that, you know. Spoiler Whoopsie. Oops. Oh, they, they played Inner Sandman later. Uh-oh. Sorry. 
They used to open with it, though, which yeah. I think that's pretty cool. But I, I had a note, like, James is James always strikes me in everything I've seen as a consummate professional, meaning it doesn't ever seem like he's phoning a show in ever. Right, yeah. Now, even considering that, it does look like he's having just a little bit more fun during this song. I think at a certain point he, like, now it's kind of soaking in, like, this crowd is amazing venue in France. Like, wow, like, I know that we're this giant band. We've been huge forever, but look at this place we're playing. This is amazing. There are several moments where Lars really looks like he's just taking it all in. Yeah. I've Which got I an- felt like, I thought was so cool. Yeah, I've got, I've got a note later in the show about James taking it all in. Like, just think of all the stuff by 2009 all the goals they'd accomplished together, everything they've seen in the world, and they still have that kind of sense of gratitude and wonder. Yeah. I think I think that's just, it's just added to the growing list of reasons to admire these dudes. Yes, exactly. Now, this is a song where I think Rob's harmony sound really good on the, ooh, and I burn. Yeah, I think so. He, you know, he's doing, it's a simple line, and I know he got, he got vocal lessons and stuff, but for him to step up to the mic and do it, that's awesome. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if you saw that new uh, roundtable discussion that they just came out with. I haven't seen that uh, They're talking about Rob singing, and James is like, you know, when I first told Rob that I, I wanted him to help me sing, you know, it was hard to get him anywhere near a microphone. He was like, and now he comes out, and he was talking about Rob singing that aha tune, that take on me tune. Oh, right, 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 yeah. When they were in whatever town that guy's from that wrote that song. Uh, and he was like... That's Mississippi. <laughs> right, it's a... Uh, uh, Meridian, Mississippi. Yeah, no, exactly. But, uh, you know, Rob, got, Rob actually went up to the mic and sang, you know, take on me. And James is like, you know, when we first tried to get him to sing, we couldn't get him near a microphone. Now he's on stage in front of thousands of people singing shit I would never sing. It's pretty <laughs> yeah. funny. He's just talking about how, like, how everyone, like, he's like, everyone's dedicated to being the best they can be in Metallica. And I thought that was so cool. Yeah, and, and, I, it, and it I, shows. I see, I see the truth of that a lot in Rob when he's getting up to the mic and trying to make it as good as he can yeah he really he really is i mean to me there's no shortage of like commitment with any of these dudes like even even if you know kirk botches a solo or something like he's still you can see his face he's still into the show he's into the moment he's a human he's gonna fuck things up things are gonna happen but it doesn't mean they're not having a good time right totally there's great pyro during the bridge that da 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 boom 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 da 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 boom boom fire it was awesome fire fire Great Kirk solo. Uh, You know, people... You know, Lars, I guess, people, when they were bummed about Load and Relay, which, by the way, the Until It Sleeps video came on last night on the bus, in the back of the bus. Just We got to do an episode on the video soon, because I was just like, this video is so amazing. I know, it's a really good one. Um, But, you know, there's a double kick part after the solo in Fuel, during the, ooh, and I burn. Yeah. He people basically forget, just keep, people forget about that. Yeah, he he basically keeps playing the pattern of the chorus, and it's just like the they're ringing out the notes, and he's just now. There's certain kick parts that like you know Lars maybe has just gotten worse at over the years. Um, you know, maybe that's age. Maybe he doesn't practice enough. I don't know. But with Fuel, I feel like he always nails this one. There's yeah. a lot, there's a lot of double kick parts on this performance where I'm like, fuck, that sounds good. You know. Yep. There's there's one kind of big double kick omission which we will get to later, but yeah. Um, in fuel, he sounds great. James's voice. Th- this is kind of the, fr- the third song in the set where I was like, man, James's voice sounds great on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, after this song, James talks about 
everyone there being a part of history, Metallica playing in that arena and all this stuff. They're going to play some new songs, going to play some old songs. And then he's like, see if you know this one. And they play Harvester of Sorrow, which kind of in this season of my fandom is becoming one of my favorite Metallica songs. Agreed, yeah. And um, I remember first watching this performance and thinking like, wow, that like I didn't think, when he said we're going to play some new stuff from Death Magnetic, play some old stuff, I figured this was the moment they were going to go into like Broken, Beaten, Scarred or End right, of the Line or right. something. But then they pull out Harvester of Sorrow. Yeah. It's such an interesting song to choose to play too, you know, like... <clears throat> I've got I've got two notes on this song about Kirk and his backup vocals. Um, yeah. So at the beginning of the song, Kirk uh, gets up there and attempts to do like come get the, on get the yeah, get the crowd going <laughs> yeah. hey hey and it, it just it's just a little awkward. I know. Um, it's now, the come on. It's the come on that kind of sets it up on. for failure. <laughs> <laughs> come on, <laughs> come on, guys, sing with me. We can do it. Um, but you know, but. Honestly, later in the song, like on the chorus, his backup vocals are not bad at all. They sound really I, good. I agree. I totally agree with you. He, he, there are some other surprising moments coming up in the set too, where he's he's pretty impressive on the yeah. BGVs. Yeah, totally. Now, I don't, I, now you know, they're touching up these recordings. I don't know how much of it is post production or how much of it Kirk really was kicking ass. And I kind of don't care. Really, I don't care either. I don't I, think I care. Even the double kick could have been altered a little bit, but I, I, I don't care. I don't care. I In do, fact, no, no, I don't Jay, care. But I don't care more than you don't care. I, by I, the way, I don't care. By the way, let's let's just pause here for a second. For what this? <laughs> Harvest of sorrow, <laughs> language of the mad. Uh, here, here's the correct phrase, Ethan. I'm not, I'm not saying to you. I'm saying to the universal you. Right. Okay? And to all of our listeners out there, the phrase is, I couldn't care less. Okay? Yes. Which means I, there's, no, there's no further I could go to not caring. Right. When you say, I, people, I could care less, you still care. You care. You could care less about it. I could care a little bit less about it. Like, I could care less about my daughter. It's just a fact. <laughs> I, I could care less about her. It's possible. It's possible. She's the thing I care about the most. I could care less about her. Yeah. I couldn't care less about the orange president. The, or, the orange <laughs> right. demon. Right. See the difference? <clears throat> exactly. All right. I just wanted to pause there just because that's one of my pet peeves. Now, this is a moment in the show where I, I talked before about how even though we talked about like 25 or 30 James Hetfield guitars, during this song he's playing one we didn't talk about, which is the ESP MX250 Papa Het tattoo guitar. Love this one. Now, what it is, it's just one of his old white ESP explorers. So you'll recognize that. It's similar to the More Beer guitar. Yeah. Um, or the So What guitar. But he gave it to a freelance artist named Dirty Donnie, who drew on the guitar, kind of like on the body below the bridge. Oh, it's like a flaming, it's like a burning tire. It has wings. And it says since 1963, which is James's birth year. And then James added these like co- you know the cobweb tattoos James has on his elbows. Yeah, I've got I've got the same thing on my elbows too. Okay, so, cool. That, and that looks is, rat, rat on this guitar. Yeah, so he's got those on the horns and on the headstock. So he's <clears> had that since 2003. But I just figured we should mention that since we didn't mention it in his uh, gear episode. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, Kurt, I'm I'm kind of surprised we didn't mention that. I mean, we could have obviously. But there was plenty of other ones to talk about. But watching this performance, I was like, fuck, I forgot about that guitar. I love that one. We got Kirk on the Dracula guitar, which is fine. The KH2 Dracula. 
Now, I had a note about J James's vocals. I think he sounds great. His vocals sound clean and strong. No problem there, except that it does seem like this song shines the most live when it's that damaged Justice Black Album era angry vocal. Right, yeah. And I, I mean, if I had to make a wager here and put some money down, I would say it's just Headfield saving his voice. He could do that if he wants to. We hear... Glimpses, glimpses of it, even when he just says "Oh yeah" to the crowd. But yeah. if, if he sang all of Harvester so like this as the fourth song, like it, it might shoot his voice out for the rest of the set. You know, I think that's true, and that's a very likely practical explanation. On a maybe a deeper level, that and then I made I'm pulling this out of my ass it may not be true. I just don't think he's that angry anymore. I don't think he's as angry as he was well, when of he course, was tw yeah. 20, 28 and on the cusp of ruling the world. He's been he's he's been a rich guy for so long and sober and has all this newfound gratitude for his health and his family. I just don't think he channels the anger as much. And no, I mean, it's, and and how could you? You know, it's fine. Right, and, and it's been pretty plainly obvious since two thousand three that, I mean, he's a happy dude. He's right. very he seems very grateful during shows. Like when he says stuff to the crowd, which like you know a lot of bands don't go on tour and they'll say something like, "We love you guys. You're the best fans in the world." Blah blah blah. They don't. They might mean it somewhere in their heart, but for, in general, you're just saying that. That's what you say at the end of a show. Right. Um, with Headfield, like every time I see him, like being thankful to the crowd, looking up at all the people, and you can see the look on his face, like, "Wow, I can't believe this is happening." I really think that's genuine. I do too. I do too. And I think it's great. Yeah, man. Uh, and of course, this song has one of the most famous pauses ever. Yep. This the great pause after the battle. Da, 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 da. Um, and I love this pause because Rob is standing up on the cabs with his arm up. James has got his eyes closed. It's like it's so dramatic, dramatic and cool. Yeah, it's 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 fa a fairly long pause too, which I really dug. The, the anticipation keeps building from them coming back into that last verse. And it's like I'm a grown up and I've seen this a million times, and yet I still kind of like the magic of it. Like I should be over all that, mm -hmm. but I still really like it. No way, man! It's still fucking awesome. I mean. They could do the Nothing Else Matters into Enter Sandman a million times, and I still love when Hetfield's yep. down on his knees making noise yep. and then goes into it. It's keep They can keep throwing out all those little tricks. I'll, I'm going to eat it right up. I agree. And again, again, diehards like us have seen it, and now some diehards like us are sick of that shit. You and I, I believe, are on the same wavelength. We're, we're into the magic trick. We love yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, the reason they're doing it that way that they've been, you know, they, they, James basically did the same exact thing for the the uh, Worldwide tour. Yeah, and that's because most of the people coming to these goddamn shows, it's either their first or last time seeing them. Yeah, and he guess doesn't what? care that the you've seen works. it a hundred times, and it yeah. works. Yeah, it's a magic trick that works. Yeah. So then we get Fade to Black, and I think this is a really great performance of Fade to Black. The, uh, the, uh, I mentioned this earlier. This is the song where I can see James really soaking it in at one point and we'll get to that here shortly because this is I okay. love I love this performance of, of Fade to Black well James is on the Flaming Sun Ken Lawrence Explorer which is that wooden we talked about it on his episode that really yeah. great wooden Explorer shape it's like what he uses a lot for, for, for clean stuff and for the ballads yeah right Kirk on his kind of signature ballads uh, guitar the blacked out Les Paul Custom with black hardware black EMGs yep Sounds good on, and you know he even seems kind of like zinned out on the solo. He's kind of got his head up and his eyes closed. His hair yeah. is blowing in the wind. Yeah. And 
I I I gotta say I prefer when James plays the electric instead of that acoustic on on Fade to Black. I am so with you. I love it on electric. I know on the recording it is acoustic, but I don't know. It's just I think it's I think it's very fitting for a live setting to have that on electric, and it brings us a little bit more you know balls to the to the part. I did, and I think James's vocals sound really great on this tune. Also, um, I noticed this for the first time listening with good headphones that they have James mixed pretty much hard left and Kirk mixed hard right. Yeah, totally. So if you have a good pair of headphones, you can really hear their unique sound and uh, attack on the guitar. And that kind of becomes its own fun way to listen to this show. Oh, absolutely, man. I, I, I love it. Because at a certain point on back on Creeping Death, I think it was... I think James is, you know, that, that point where he holds the microphone up over the crowd for them to you, sing. You it. hear it go out. It's like really abrupt, right? Like, <clears throat> Yeah, and, and I forgot about that for a second. And all of a sudden I thought James's guitar actually went out. But then I hear Kirk's and I see James holding the mic up. And I'm like, oh, right, that's that part. Um, I, actually, <clears throat> I actually thought that my headphones were fucked up. <laughs> it's like, whoa. <laughs> but yeah, because the camera angle is on large or something. You don't see James. And then you realize, like, yeah, he's just holding the mic up. Like, yeah. it just feels like such a real performance. Oh, absolutely. Um. I'm not leaving this back lounge. I'm just going to see if there's beer in the uh, chest here. Okay. <laughs> Do you want to talk and say things? Yeah. Okay. So to me, like getting to the end of the song, uh, going into that bridge um, after the after that part to me, when you get into the the crowd starts singing that part before Kirk's solo. Yep. That's the part where I see James kind of put his head back and start looking up at everybody, and you can tell he's just soaking it all in. Because to me, that that part of that song is so beautiful and sounds like such a ending part. And right. That's one of those parts that just makes you feel something cool. And like James is just looking at the crowd and looking at everybody, like, "Wow, this is amazing." And that was the that was the note I made where he was like truly soaking everything in, just enjoying this. Like even after our entire career, I'm still blown away by something. Love it, dude. I, I can't express how much I love that, especially as a performer, you know, as someone that, you know, 15 to 18 years into whatever my career looks like and kind of wrestling with cynicism or being jaded or being kind of over shit. Right. For me to look for me to look at one of my heroes like James and see that there's still more to be grateful for. And yeah. And wonder about it challenges me to find that place in myself. Yeah. I, agree. I know that sounds cheesy, but it's so true. It's very true. And um, one other thing I want to point out, uh, right before that happens, before they go into the da 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 da, they're ringing out that part, just like waiting to start that. And James, he does the "How do you feel?" thing. Yep. Um, he says it like two or three times. How do you feel? Crowd goes crazy, and then he, and then he goes, "Do you feel like I do?" And I immediately just thought of Peter Frampton. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> do I did too. You feel, feel like, I, like I do? I, I want to know. <laughs> Dude, I love talking to Paul. Like, so for those of you who don't know, Paul Moak's studio across from his studio is Peter Frampton's studio. Right. Yeah. And we're always like, "Have you seen? Did you see him today? Like, you know, like getting his mail and shit." Oh, I've seen him. I've never seen him over there, but really? I do have this story have. to tell. I've seen him. So Bob Schneider, we share a booking agent with Peter, and Peter lives in Nashville, obviously. And we were playing. We're playing a sold out show at Third and Lindsay, and pretty good show i was pretty happy with it hometown show for me obviously like i brought my in-laws on the my uh my mother and father-in-law they got to come onto the tour bus and all that shit it was like a nice show yeah afterwards we're backstage in the green room and our 
our agent from our book our booking agent like liaison comes back and goes hey uh peter peter's here peter frampton he came to the show he doesn't ever do this but he loved the show and he wants to come back and say hello to you guys is that okay wow to which i said of course it's okay why are you asking me this bring don't what are we gonna say no peter frampton what did he say to peter like he was like peter's like hey, hey man, i'd like to say uh you know congrats to the guys on a great show right he, he's, he's like, like hang on let me go ask them if, if right, they right. want you in the dressing room exactly so i'm like dude please bring peter back here immediately why did you wait to ask he's like he's like okay he goes and he comes back he's like oh peter left i'm like yeah <laughs> you know why he left he left because he's not waiting for permission from some fucking rapscallion like me to come say hello <laughs> exactly he's like oh you're gonna go ask them cool i'm going home now I was like, you fucking idiot. Don't ever... Dude, just bring him back. I'm just going to go home and hang out in my garden. I guess I'll go see if Paul's at the old smokestack. They have Paul's over there. Paul? Paul? Paul. Well, if you want me to go, I'll go. Wanting to say hello and congrats. If you don't Hi, meet, hello. If you don't want me to meet the band, I won't meet the band. Welcome to uh, yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. Hi, hello, <laughs> hello, and hi, and salutations and greetings. It's me, Paul. All that things. Do you feel like I woke up this morning with a wine glass in my hand? Who's wine? <laughs> what wine? When the hell did I die, Paul? <laughs> okay. I will say I like I like Kirk solos when they just fade to black. He kind of does. The first few bars of what we know and love, right, and then he kind of starts to veer off and improvise. And I love the way they end it with those big hits. And I gotta say too, good double kick by Lars at the end of this tune. Yes, yes, very much so. Loved it. Uh, Then we get one of my favorite songs from Death Magnetic. I'm glad we have documents of it. Broken, beaten, scarred. Man, I I love this era of of touring Metallica because you know, as we know, when they have released a new record. Maybe more so with Hardwired uh, these days, but, you know, they throw a bunch of songs from the current record in the mix, and yeah. I, I love this stuff. Like, when we did, you know, watch we did Quebec uh, Magnetic, you know, and they do two in a row here. It's amazing. Yeah, I know. We're, I, I, I agree with you. I think we're really lucky. I think once the Hardwired cycle's done, we're going to feel real grateful that we got songs, and I know you and I didn't see these live, but... The, the dream, dream, confusion and dream no more. A couple of people got to see mankind. Right. Yeah. I don't. I don't, I don't think there's going to be songs we're going to see much more of after this tour. I think. Yeah. And, I think. I think after this, going into another album cycle post Hardwired, it's going to be like probably like Moth, Atlas Rise. Yeah. Maybe Halo on Fire. Yeah, I agree. I agree with those three, and maybe Spit. Yeah. But yeah, yeah like to, probably Spit to, to have Cyanide and Broken Beat and Scarred, All Nightmare Long, which we're going to get to soon. On Quebec Magnetic, we got That Was Just Your Life, End of the Line, Judas Kiss, My Apocalypse. Yeah, a lot of good ones. Which My Apocalypse is also rocketed probably up into my top 20 metallic songs of all time. Yeah, that one's kick-ass. And yeah, this was the song, too, we mentioned it earlier, where James, he goes back and faces the people behind him, which I thought, you know, he doesn't spend a lot of time, I think this is the only song, really, that he does back there, but I did think it was a nice little moment of like, hey, we acknowledge you, too, you're you're the part of the family, too. Yeah, for sure. He gives it yet another speech about being grateful. Kirk back on the Dracula guitar. Now, this is James playing another guitar we didn't mention on his episode. The James Trussard Steel X Explorer, which is like, it's an Explorer-shaped guitar, but it has this recessed steel top plate. It's like what you see on like a toolbox on the back of a, a pickup. 
Exactly. And it's similar to, he plays a, this guy, James Troussard, made him another guitar that he play, you can see him playing it on All Nightmare Long on Quebec Magnetic, and it's more of like, it's like a rusty Les Paul. Yeah, yeah, that one's cool. I uh, love the main riff to the song. Kirk and Rob's BGVs are they serviceable of the song. The show, yeah, scars. Right, I yeah. mean, it, it, it works. More Lars double kick on the chorus. Breaking me down on the hard line running. Show your scars. Show your cookie jar. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a cookie jar. <laughs> Come on. Are you alive? <laughs> How does it feel to be hungry and alive? How does it feel to want cookies? <laughs> Man, I'm surprised we haven't been hired by Sesame Street yet. Well, the calls, I await the call any day now after this episode. Big Bird, just email us, melpipacashowdeal.com, and uh, <laughs> hey, we can do Cookie Monster for you. You're right about the ones you punch, though, because we get this right into cyanide. Yeah. Very cool. I like the moments where it sucks down to just rob that kind of groove. Before it starts into the yeah 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 yeah, I feel like this one, uh, and this this happens a lot in general with live music when your adrenaline's going, you're not playing to a click track. Um, I felt this one was a little too fast because that, especially when that bass thing came with just bass and drums, it needs to have a little more groove and lay back a little bit. I thought it was a little bit too fast for for yeah. But but again, look at the setting they're playing and they're like, holy shit, this is awesome. And they just Lars counts it off and they just go, you know. Um, yeah. But that's just personal preference. That's just me. Yeah. I like that part too, though, just because it—it's it, really different for them. They don't really have a lot of musical moments in their entire body of work that sound like that. Yeah, I, I feel that way about Man Unkind too. Is it that kind of like swing feel of Man Unkind? Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, yeah, and even just those big stabs, bomb, bomb, bomb. You know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, man, I love Cyanide. We got Kurt playing the ESP M2 Devil Girl. With the artwork by Ryden, uh, I don't think I have a note about what James is playing. Oh. I did make a note about like I don't like Robert's <laughs> jersey vibe, not New Jersey. His basketball jersey situation, his, his basketball New Jersey vibe. Um, but I do like that he fucking rocks that Ninja Star, which is emblematic, of course, of the Load and Reload era. I also feel like that's kind of not that it is a nod nod to Jason, but. Jason was notorious for mostly wearing Metallica shirts during shows. I agree. I and think it, I think I think it is a nod to Jason. Well, if if we're correct, then even better. It'd be cool though if he would wear like that flaming skull shirt or the Sabbath True shirt. I mean, that would be but pretty. I, spot, but I get it too. Spot on he, with Jason. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. This, I'm not saying all the time, but I, but I guess he's you know he's got to do what Jason did, and he's got to form his own thing, which he has. He definitely oh, has. Yeah. I mean, he's, I, no long, I, he's not the new kid on the block anymore. So I prefer, I prefer Jason's crab walk. Oh God, we're gonna get into that a little later. <laughs> yeah, we got a, little, a few a few walks on this one. I also have a note that I think Kirk especially looks really badass in this DVD. Long hair. He's not cu- kind of gone. He's all grayed out now, but which I think looks cool. But the long hair. He's got a little bit of eyeliner. The sleeveless button up, kind of torn sleeve button up. Yeah. He always looks thin. He always looks healthy. I just wanted to t- take a pause there and give it up for you know Kirk looking like a fucking rock star. Yeah, he looked fucking aw- he looked fucking awesome in this one. Um, and I think he plays great all over Cyanide. I, I love his work on this song. I love his work on Death Magnetic. Uh, right. There's there's some of course there's some sort of forum discussion happening right now about Kirk 
about Kirk, you know, like his current deal and all this shit. And it's, yeah, it's it's mostly kind of gross to read. It's not real fun to read, but um, I don't really other than to praise Kirk, I haven't really jumped in. But there's a lot of surprise, like because people are talking about like oh, the hardwired, the solos are unfocused. Okay, we all know that. But there are some people that are saying, but at least it's better than his solos on Death Magnetic. What? And I'm surprised. I'm, I'm surprised at how many people, honestly, and these are these are diehards. They really are. How many people think that his soloing work on Death Magnetic is bad? I can't believe it. I can't believe that either. That's ridiculous. It's it's some of his best guitar playing in his whole career. I think that is ridiculous. <laughs> Come on. The Industrial this, Revolution. Neither Industrial nor Revolution. Talk. Discuss. Discuss. What was her name? What was the Coffee Talk lady's name? Uh, Linda something? Lydia something? I can't remember. Welcome to Coffee Talk. I, what's, I'm going to look it up. All right, look it up. Do some, do some research. Um, Res- some research. Uh... I just love too when they Linda they, Linda Richmond Linda Richmond okay Coffee Talk with Linda Richmond I uh, I really love uh, in an era any era of Metallica where songs are fresh and new like in this case Death Magnetic yeah I feel like they play them tighter than the songs they've been playing for thirty years because mm, a lot well, like yeah. not that, not that they aren't tied on Creeping Death or Master of Puppets or whatever but there's so much excitement about these new songs and they've probably rehearsed them a bunch like. Master of Puppets, they don't really need to rehearse. They've been playing that song forever. You right. know, um, I feel like that, uh, you know, the, the, with the exception of this one being a little fast, like, tempos are pretty good. They're focused. They're excited. Like, there's an, a different kind of energy in these new songs at this moment in 09 that maybe, I don't know, it, it, it's like you've seen them as like kids just coming out of the garage, like, we got this new song. Check it out. No, I agree. I, I think it, me- it means more. To land them means more. Yeah, and these totally. are the, you know it is you know it is like you know you've probably got songs that you love that you've written in your career, but these new tunes of yours, right. you're so stoked on them that you really want to nail them and get them right. And yes, exactly. I, I dude, when they came out, when I was in the front row of the Snake Pit, I've mentioned this a few times, but when they came out, we're playing Hardwired. The James had his eyes closed and was just hammering that riff. Yeah. Like it just really mattered to him, and yeah, like for I was sure. on the verge—I was like on the verge of tears for a second. It was that—that's <laughs> beautiful, man. <laughs> you know, you—you know, you just feel it coming up like a wave, and you just kind of got to let it crash on you. It's, yeah, it's, you know, like, and I think that's the same. He feels the same way about the hardwired tunes. Like these are his new little babies. He wants to make sure he delivers them to the world as best as they can be. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. So it's cool. Um, Sabbath True, this is an interesting intro to Sabbath True. He talks about how it's better to sing it together, um, and they kind of sing, he sings the chorus a cappella with the crowd. What do you think about that? Let's sing together. Right. It's strongest together. I'm your dream. Make you real.
I thought it was cool. I mean, it's not like James has to teach it to the crowd. Like, hey, have you heard oh, this no. one? Let me teach this right. to you. Right. But um, I mean, I think, you know, it could have had a lot to do with the fact that they were filming this and maybe he wanted to make sure that like the choruses were like extra loud with the crowd just to get them pumped up before the song, like listening to the chorus together. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I, I can't say well, that I've really seen him do that. I, yeah, I think he was just looking for something, you know, like we talked before about the magic trick and they kind of do the same things. I think even, I think they have a really good sense of we have to kind of do the magic trick, even if people have seen it, the trick before. But right. I think this is a moment where he's like, well, let's, let's try something new with a staple, you know? Or maybe Rob, uh, had, to, Rob had to go pee. <laughs> That's a better, again, Ethan delivering the more practical more realistic explanation. I'm just, I'm just saying that I've been in that position where it's like, okay, I really can't hold it any longer. Stall the crowd. I'll be right back. You ever peed your pants on stage? I have not. I haven't either. I've, I, I have not defecated myself on stage. I've never thrown up on stage. Um, I haven't either. I've definitely like cracked open my knuckles numerous times on my hi hats, but that's about the worst it got. I have peed right off the stage, like in little corridors and hallways and shit. Yeah, I've done that, yeah. Like at my house. <laughs> I'm doing that right now. I actually took my microphone <laughs> to the corner of my of my studio, and I'm peeing as we speak. But what was the tune where he had the crowd split up doing... Was it God That Failed? Oh, that and was he had my, the, my Friend of Misery. Or My Friend of Misery. The, oh, 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 right. Oh. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that was awesome. And maybe they don't work as well, And but I like the idea that he's trying. You know, he's still kind of pushing for something new that feels different listen um, if, if james hatfield asked me to do something in the crowd i'm gonna fucking do it we got kirk on the you know we mentioned correctly on the uh the kirk's gear episode that this black jackson is kind of usually what he plays the black jackson v for the uh, for saboteur the tuned down right. stuff james is playing yet another guitar we did not mention the esp explorer vintage nash which is like an older explorer that he bought himself off ebay apparently he buys a lot of shit off ebay could you imagine knowing if something you sold was bought by like because surely he has like a pseudonym or he has like a, a pa do it or something right it's like hames jetfield <laughs> i almost spit my beer out and someone's like haha very funny man you got get it you like metallica here buy my explorer oh it's james yeah. hetfield then the guy watches this show and he's like oh fuck it was yeah. him it's like mama het yeah <laughs> what, would be, what would be amazing as if his if his uh screening for ebay was like mave disdain <laughs> Dave Mustaine's butthole at ebay.com. Uh, I did think it was funny that Rob appears to be playing a killer clowns from outer space bass. Yeah, that clown bass he's had. He's I think he's had for a little bit. Um, is that what it's from? Is it from Killer Clowns from Outer Space? I, I'm not sure. Are you familiar with that B movie? I, I know the movie. I haven't seen it in probably God 20 years. Yeah, I watched it the other night for the first time in about 20 years. Not yeah. great. Yeah, I'm sure. Not, not, not great. Um, yeah, I, I can't confirm or deny that it's from that movie, but it's there's definitely a clown on the base, I can tell you that. I'm looking it up right now. It is the killer clown. Is it? Sonus RT5. Oh, okay. And obviously we haven't done our Rob episode yet. All of this will be made known once we do the Rob episode. Well, cons- consider that base logged for the episode. Okay. Um, anything else to say about Sabbath True? We, we get oh more Cookie Monster time. Yeah. Um, first of all, Kirk nails one of his best. It's one of his best solos. Is Sabbath yes. True? Agreed. And he fucking nails it in this performance. But then on the I'm your dreams, I'm your dreams, I'm your eyes. I'm he does those echoes. 
I'm your hungry cookie candy muscle. <laughs> Uh, of course, we got James doing the big detune thing at the end. Right, and Rob low, does it. And then Rob fucking does it. How heavy is that? Do you want heavy? We just gave you heavy, but here's a detune string for you. We're going to tune it down to an inaudibly low note. It's like a corn note at that point. Ugh, yeah, they're going to they're going to they're going into got the life. It's in it's in drop K. <laughs> get it okay then we get the intro tape for one always Um, exciting always exciting and it doesn't matter what pyro they do or whatever it's like you hear the war sounds you hear the screaming you hear you see the power going off the lights going crazy it's like we're getting fucking one. This is awesome. It's it's never not exciting. I totally agree. Yep. The the lights are all out except for these cool little underlit blue lights on the death magnetic guitar cabinets. Yeah. Of course, there's was a little bit of pyro involved. I love that the crowd is singing the doo da doo da. Yeah. Doo da doo da. That's a Kirk very the- that's a very common thing in Europe. I've noticed even when I was working for Kings of Leon, like certain parts of songs, like the crowd will just sing the riff. Yeah. You know, I know I know it's it is common with Metallica on certain parts like Fade to Black or whatever, but little things like this, the crowd going doom da doom da is so yeah, cool. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. It just it's like a way to be interactive with a non-singing part. I, I like it. Um Kirk on the hot caution guitar, he does good on the solos. James back on the Ken Lawrence Explorer. You're right. Like you you can bet with high accuracy if they're playing one of the ballads James is playing that Ken Lawrence guitar yep oh yeah if they did Sanitarium he would have played it Rob on the white P bass I just have a note I mean who knows how many times we've said this on the show but I just wrote a note that said this song is a masterpiece yeah man I will say and and maybe they uh, doctored it up in post to release this DVD but the machine gun part on the double kick is pretty Mm -hmm. fucking pretty fucking rad it's better than the Quebec Magnetic. The reason I don't think they doctored it up is because it's not very good on the Quebec Magnetic. So it's right. like, right? Why would why, they not do the, it on that one? If they're going to be in the business of just making every rewriting history, yeah, why be? It seems arbitrary, right? Well, they have not been shy about putting out performances that are just okay. Like yeah, they'll totally. they'll put they'll put those out. So why now would you all of a sudden be like, you know what? Can we just beat Detective that? I, like, I agree. You know, so I think I think that's that's what he played. I agree, and there's really and cool py- there's really cool pyro moments happening in that too. Um, oh yeah, that song's just great. There's not a lot to say about it. Now, this would have been a big old happy treat for me. First of all, they just played one. That's enough treats for me for a lifetime. That song is just so wonderful. Yeah, and to be able to pull it off live, it's got like how did they how did they do it, Ethan? I wonder how they are so good sometimes. Because how did they do it? The song who is so. Who does that? <laughs> Seriously, who does that, Clinton? How do you sing a song about a guy who gets all his arms and legs blown off, and yet you still want to hear it again and again? Right. You and can't. They re- did one. What is it? Have one arm left or something? What is I that? Don't... One torso? What is it? Who? He can't. Who writes who, that? He can't remember anything. He can't tell if it's true or dreaming. But deep down inside, he, he feels to scream. He wants to just yell. A terrible silence stops him. <sighs> Ethan, 
Ethan, he's imprisoned by darkness. Who does that? But it's all that he sees, and it's absolute horror. He can't live, he can't die, yes and yes, yes, yes. Who talks like this? I don't know. (laughs) Wow. It's like we're in the same room. His body, Ethan, is his holding cell. It's terrible. I hate that for him. Who who stays in an apartment like that? Who who does that? (laughs) (laughs) Now, so anyway, that song is such a it's such a uh, masterpiece to me. So magnificent, such a ride. That ends, and it's almost like I need a a break before I pee pee my panties. And yet they don't give you one. You hear the intro music to All Nightmare Long, which I'm sad to say they don't play much anymore. I I would love to hear that. I I love it's one of my favorite choruses on Death Magnetic. But dude, it's just so fast and heavy. I mean, it's like yeah, it's as fast and heavy. It's it's like they're just, it's like a new disposable heroes. Just I but, mean, it, but even that great that great descending thing that Kirk does. Runs out. And I like that it's sort of part of the the Cthulhu mythos, you know, that surrounds this band every once in a while. Right. Yeah. Totally. James is on the. This is where we see for the first time the ESP Black Iron Cross. We got Kirk on the Black Ouija, which is a good choice for this song about nightmarish, hellish beings that yep, totally. hunt you down in your sleep. The solo is great. Great use of the Y in it. It's just a relentless song, man. Yeah, I, lo- I love this tune. I mean, like I said before, this is one of my favorite choruses of the whole record. I think it's a very classic Hetfield melody. Um, and this song is just fucking brutal, man. It's just. A, I agree. Ki- it kicks you in the balls the whole time. I agree. Doesn't let up. Um, into Kirk, a Kirk solo. Eh, I thought it was pretty. Like it's okay. It's, it, it, it's, I guess it's like a moment to give the band a breath, and it's a moment where they they kind of have to acknowledge um, we're a guitar based heavy metal band, and we're the biggest one in the world. Our guitar player has to come out and do a guitar hero thing. Right. Yeah. I and mean, I, I think for that purpose, I mean, he can't, he shreds. I mean, it's cool. Of course, of course, he shreds. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just my personal taste now. I, I don't necessarily love, like, if anything, I, I dig a good drum solo. But in general, like, I don't really want to see a bass solo. I don't really want to see a guitar solo. Just, like, I, I want to hear I'm, some fucking songs. I know. Me too. That's we, just we, me, though. We do, now, we do a I'm, big... Go if ahead. I'm, if I'm going to see, like, Steve Vai or, like, Paul Gilbert, sure. Right. Guitar solo in front of my face all nightmare long. I, but I, I agree. I agree. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. Even when we saw them, and, they, and even nowadays when they do like the little doodle things, I mean, I've been pretty vocal about that. I'm just not a huge fan. I'll tell you what I am a fan of, though, is that red Karina ESP Flying V that he's playing. Agreed. Which which I, I do know enough, or I'm familiar enough with sort of the the guitars and stuff they were playing at this time to where even without looking at the set list, I knew that they were going to play The Day That Never Comes because he always plays that guitar on right. that tune in this <clears throat> era. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I will say, if, if he is going to do the big guitar hero bullshitty w- thing, at least it's pretty short. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, it's not like he's doing, like, a ten-minute thing. I mean, it does sort of seem tailor-made for a PP break. <laughs> it does. Lars is like, it's my turn to pee now. Um, unless Lars is just, like, Waterworld-ish peeing into a contraption, that, and that's what those little cups by his drum uh, kit are. That, that I think are you're like right. The, with that sort of pinkish hue. Yeah, you're right. That's it. That's, maybe that's, he, maybe he's friends with Kevin Costner via the proxy of his celebrity. And yeah, maybe I Kevin. Think, oh, here we go. I got it. And Kevin Costner kept the contraption prop from Waterworld, but unbeknownst to many people, it actually works. 
So Kevin's been peeing into that thing and drinking his own urine, a la the opening scene of Waterworld, since 1994. And he's given the prototype to Lars Ulrich, who then uses it and pees into during Dyer's Eve, and then then drinks his own urine, so he can finish out the show with Seek and Destroy. So that's it. Yeah, that's that's it. I do like that when they start Data Never Comes, James is sort of pensively sitting on one of the cabinets. I love that he's sitting on the cabinets, just like chilling, like, all right, I'm going to do my intro. Again, I think kind of soaking it in. It's a great moment. Like, it's a new song for people. It was the first single. And he's just, and that intro is so cool, you know. I agree. Before Lars and Kurt come in, it's so, it's so nice. And Another song that, you're right, like, they don't have any, really any other songs that start real high like that. Yeah, exactly. Well, like all their really other, high all, arpeggiating, right? And all their other like you know quote unquote ballads. You know, you got one, Fade of Black and Sanitarium. Like I explained on my solo episode, they're kind of in the same position. So to have Hetfield playing something up there on like the twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth fret is not common for them. You know, the No Leaf Clover is a little. It's not as high as that, but it is similar. Badu, 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 badu. I want to see that song on the next tour. Man, I love that song. Totally. What a great song! Oh man, I mean, don't it feel right? <laughs> well, it comes to be the soothing light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, the tunnel. It was just—it was just what? a freight train coming his way. First of all, Clint, why are you in a tunnel with a train coming through it? Who does that? That's dangerous. Your grandmother would be so disappointed. Oh, it feels right this time, does it? Does it? Do do you? <laughs> <laughs> it comes to be, does it, James? <laughs> J- James, <laughs> why? Why would you be in there? Get out of there, James, Jimmy. Okay. <laughs> um... I love that. Yeah. I think I think the intro solo to the day that never comes, although appropriately overshadowed by Fade to Black and Sanitarium, it's still kind of an underappreciated intro solo. I love it. I think it's awesome. I love yep. uh, J- James's vocals live sound better than the record to me on this song. Oh yeah, James kills this one. I think it sounds so good. He really does. I and mean, you know, you're right. By this point in the show, like you talk about him easing into the show and stuff. But by, by 12 songs in, you know, his voice is probably at the peak that it'll be that night. Oh, here we go. I hear a guitar. What's going on over Uh-oh. there? Uh-oh. Crash into, crash into me. I was trying to remember uh, that verse riff. Ah, uh, shoot. Where is it? Something like that. I love that one. Born to crash into me. Born to be wild. Hike up your skirt a little more. Born in the USA. Okay. You know what I noticed when I was watching watching this on YouTube? What's that? It has six million views. Yeah. That's a lot. And it's free. Like, just all that revenue that would have been DVD sales. Yeah, totally. And I, you know, I, I was watching it myself. I don't. I I just got a Blu-ray player, um, for like Christmas a year ago because I want to collect all my favorite movies on Blu-ray. Right. But before right. that, I didn't even have a way to play a DVD. Yeah, I mean, I, my only uh, 
I had a five disc DVD player one time. It's pretty sick. Jesus Christ. My dad gave it to me. Just in case you want to watch five movies in a row, you know. Um, which, you know, sometimes I do want to just sit on my oh, couch for 10 hours straight. Of course. But honestly, right now, the only way to play DVDs in my house are my computer or my PlayStation 2. Dude, my computer doesn't even have a disc drive. That's crazy. That's Who crazy. Does? Who does Who does that? Who he made a, compu- a computer mean, without a drive? Without a disc drive? I mean, I don't even know what that is. Who does I mean, that, Dell? I like VHSs and Beta. Betamax? Clint, oh, you gotta they... see my Laserdisc collection. Oh, honey, I can hardly carry it up the stairs to my apartment, my brownstone. I've, I've got, okay, listen to me. I've got Quebec Magnetic and live shit, pardon my French, <laughs> on Laserdisc. Who talks like that, really? <laughs> Binge uh, and purge? Okay, uh, we're getting into some exciting moments here, not <laughs> as if there haven't been any yet. Now we're getting to the exciting part of the show. They do the big feedbacky, hangy thing into Master of Puppets, one mm-hmm. of the greatest metal songs ever written on the whole planet. Possibly the best. Uh, no guitar changes, by the way. James still playing the Explorer. Kirk on that Karina. Rob's playing the white P bass. Real solid puppets performance. Yeah, very solid. There's not much to say about it. Great uh, James solo. First James solo of the night. Yeah, Kirk nails his part. Overall, just a great performance. Yeah, of course. And, and and we've gloated about it before. I mean, we always love when James takes a solo. Now, this ushers us into, I guess what could arguably described as the most exciting moment of the show because I, of what I would the say song that. they play next. Like, it's only been played 35 times. Yeah, very not. it's not often played. And they didn't play it for the first time, although it came out on 1988's Injustice for All. They didn't play it for the first time until 2004. That's crazy. And we're, we're of course, talking about the magnificent thrash masterpiece, Dear Mother, Dear Father Earth, Dyer's Eve. <laughs> dear Mother, Dear Father Earth! <laughs> what is this hell you put me through? I mean, he's outgrown that freaking lullaby? <sighs> Innocence Who's torn t- from me. <laughs> Without your shelter. It's a really good performance, man. It's they they sound real tight. Like yeah, they probably it rehearsed good. the shit out of this before this tour. Oh, they they had played to it a have, lot yeah. in two thousand nine. Yeah. Got another one I would love to see them play live. Me too. I mean, it's real unlikely. Yeah, probably. It's interesting too that they they have an intro tape for it. Um there's great pyro during the song on this DVD. Kirk's back on the mummy, James back on the ESP Iron Cross. Uh now People have been disappointed by this. I understand their disappointment, but I don't share it in that there's no kick drum in the verses. Oh, no, no uh, double kick? Or no, well, no double kick is what I mean. Right, 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 right. It's yeah, just it's more what, of the, the blast beat thing. You know what? When I first watched this performance, I didn't even notice because I was just so into the fact that they were playing this and it sounded so good. <laughs> right. And then when I rewatched it for this episode, I was like, oh, it's not there. Uh, but it didn't bother me. Yeah. And you know and you know what? That's one of the fastest double kick parts in all of Metallica's catalog. <clears throat> Lars might have been like, you know what? Like, I'd rather just play it normal and not fuck up every single verse. I don't really ever notice it either. Like I guess there are some double kick moments in Moth and Heart and the song Hardwired that people complain that he doesn't play. And I don't it's similar to you, what you just said. Like, I don't even notice it until they say it. Well, yeah, that and, and I think, you know, 
I mean, or I wouldn't be surprised, I should say, that in the studio, it, you know, they might be like, man, it'd be cool to put a double kick part right here. And even if they copied and pasted it in and thought, you know, this is going to be great for the record, but live, I'm going to do something different. Like, I could see a band going that route, too. Sure. Like, on the album, this is going to fucking kill. Live, people might expect it, but we're not going to do it. So, sorry. And what they did for Mexico City, which we're going to be getting to our Mexico City episode here shortly, but when they knew they were going to make a record, you know, like a, an actual live document right. that wasn't a DVD, they did it over five nights, so they had five different options. Mm-hmm. And if I, if, if I was going to put Dire's Eve on that, I would just maybe two of those five nights really go for that kick part. Right, exactly. Just in case. But it's just like... You know, it's not just Metallica fans. Any fans of anything, just because we're all a bunch of spoiled fucking idiots, is we bitch and bitch and bitch about a Sonic Dyer's Eve, and then they finally play it, and what do we do? We bitch about it. It's not like the album. The double kicks were not in time. Well, first of all, he doesn't play in time. Second of all, he didn't even play the same exact thing he played in 1988. And you know what? Reload sucks. I hate... Reload sucks! <laughs> I hate Reload. And there's barely double kick drum on it. Metallica not... sold out... Metallica sold out in 1984, Ethan. 1984. Who puts acoustic... Acoustic guitar? I'm slowly slipping into... Who does that? <laughs> <laughs> who puts acoustic guitar on a thrash record? I, anytime they play these kinds of songs, disposable because they, they play disposable heroes in Mexico City, right? Uh, of course, Dire's Eve here. I'm just grateful, dude. I'm in. You know, you know I'm, I, I'm in. I'm grateful. Thank you for learning it and taking the chance. All aboard. Let's go. All aboard the SS Metallica. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> now, then we get another kind of Kirk solo. I like this one a lot more because it's that clean thing he was playing that's yeah. got all these like cool, fun chords. It, it, it feels very melodic and moody. And then, it's of course, good, we get... It's a good intro for, no, for Nothing Else Matters. It's a good intro. Yeah, and then we, we get Nothing Else Matters. In fact, actually, if you don't mind, can we insert a clip of this little solo he does? Yeah, for sure. Just because I think it's a cool thing to let people hear. It's, it's a cool moment. Put your eyes and ears up here for my friend, Mr. Kirk... The Ripper. Habit.
Well, and you know, I also love, and they've done this uh, quite a bit. Um, I love Hetfield on guitar by himself doing the first verse and chorus. I uh, totally agree. I well, feel like well, it's such a good live I, moment for the crowd to sing along, and it's it's this great exposed like moment of him by himself. It, it's I, I I hope they do it again. Yeah, I think I think he he does the first two verses. Oh, that's and comes really, in on the third. Yeah. Okay, that's right. And th- and this is actually where there are some Kirk and Rob harmonies that were really surprising me on the never care for what they say. There's right, some yeah. really nice harmonies there. Yeah, they, they James did, murders they did a good the job. solo. There's uh, James does a great job on the solo. There's no stool for him to kick over, unfortunately. Damn it! They don't I'm make stools to... in France. Come on, Francois. Oh, Francois from France. He gets on his knees for the feedback bendy thing at the end, and then we roll on into probably their greatest song. I mean, the song they'll the song they will most be known for. Don't yeah, you think for that's sure. true? Yeah, I think that's true. And when I say greatest, I don't mean my favorite or most complicated. I just mean everything considered. Inner Sandman is Metallica's greatest song. Sure. You it's like I mean? uh I mean, maybe this is just personal opinion, but like With or Without She was U2's greatest song. Or like Stairway to Heaven or something. Yeah, totally. It's just or that's like what it is. Photograph by Nickelback, you know. <laughs> so, uh, Clint, I'm so sorry, Clint. I'm sorry. I didn't mean, what oh, the hell shit. is oh, on shit. Joey's Guys, head? <laughs> everyone, I'm sorry this happened, Clint. I'm so sorry, man. I didn't mean I didn't mean to do that to you. Every <laughs> Here, memory looking out you, the back door. Who does this that? Make, this will make you feel better. Look at this photograph. Every time I do, it makes me laugh. Moving on my head. The hill is on Joey's head. Is there anything else to say about Inner Sandman? I mean, it's great. You know what? Yeah, it's their biggest hit. It'll forever be their biggest song, and I still fucking love it. Me too. Especially, Me too, dude. and I made a note in mind, and this is obviously a common thing at every single show, but when we get into the very last, and into the boom, those that pyro that goes off on top of the stadium is yeah, so Yeah, in the bitching. back. Oh, I bet so that was good. pretty scary for the people back there. Yeah, totally. Because normally, shit, where that normally, from? normally they have that kind of stuff back there, but they didn't sell any tickets back there. They're like it's like empty stands, but this is like packed back there. Yeah, there's people back there. That like, like several people's hair like, caught on oh, fire. There is a, there is explosions happening above us. Uh-huh, I was eating my croissant. <laughs> oh, oh, I dropped, oh, 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 I dropped my baguette. <laughs> I was talking to my friend, the Pepe Le Pew. Oh-ho-ho. I know get what you're thinking, everybody. We definitely sound like French people. We're pretty like, good at that. Sorry. They're like, the two native French-speaking people just overtake Metal Up Your Podcast. Yeah, what happened to Clint and Ethan? I will say, before we move on from Inner Sandman into the three encore tunes, uh, if you haven't yet heard our, our our good friend, Tom Cui over at Alpha Metallica, we, we tease his accent on here, but we love him over there. Ethan and I both did an episode as a guest on his show talking about Inner Sandman. That's right, yeah. So you can hear a 40-minute conversation with the three of us about how much we actually love that song. I recommend checking it out and Tom's show in general. It is compelling and insightful. (laughs) I like you using the word compelling. It's a good word, man. I like it. Yeah, it is a good word. I'm compelling in my pants right now. How about that? (laughs) I've been compelling most of today. Uh, moving to the encore now. I know you're probably stoked about this. We get Stone Cold Crazy. Yeah, dig it, love it. I which, which like I gotta it. say, this is probably I don't like that song very much, particularly 
the Grammy award winning recording. I just I just don't like it. But right. this version is fucking awesome. Like yeah, they, the, they kill it here. They they sound great and Kirk's solo is so great. Uh I got, we got to mention Kirk teasing Freight into Sanity before which yeah, I know is right. very yeah. titillating for m- most of us who miss that song as a staple in the set. Not a staple, but miss that song like in the medleys or whatever. People, right, you know, yeah. that's that's Brad Blazik's favorite Metallica song. Yeah, it is. It is. I love that song. Just, Obviously, I just, covered it. I love it. It just sucks that there's not a lot of opportunities to hear it live. Um, James has mysteriously done a bit of a costume change. He's added it's, it's a tattered denim vest. Oh, really? What was the... What well, was the, uh, he started off with a sleeveless shirt, and then I think... Uh, I want to say it was after. One second. Uh, I think it was after one. They had the all nightmare long, all nightmare long clip playing, and then he comes out with a normal sleeved T-shirt. Okay, a sleeved. He's sleeved T-shirt, and then he adds the the, the tattered vest. Okay. <laughs> he talks about how Queen inspired them. I guess that was like a slot where they were doing a cover. Now it's interesting. He's playing yet another guitar we didn't mention. If you had not heard our James Hetfield gear episode and heard how detailed we were, <laughs> you might think we didn't talk about any of his fucking guitars. Right. But he but he's playing this. It's a Zematis Flying V GZV 500 MF. Could we have any more vague letter number combos to name oh, the, that fucking the guitar? GZ, the GZV 500 motherfucker. Uh, and apparently he likes it for the old covers and the Kill em All era tunes because it has these DiMarzio pickups. Okay. I, I, I'd never seen this guitar before. Well, I mean, and obviously in recent years, like for the old school tunes, he's playing that that replica of the original V. Yeah, yeah, that the Gibson made. Right. It wants a replica of the Electra. Exactly, yeah. Pretty cool. Um, harmless cover. I mean, it's nice. It's it's fun. It's It's rollicking, and it's a really fun ride, and I know that I am in... Small company and my distaste for the song. I know that it's a fan favorite, and yeah. I'm happy as shit they played it. Now, if I was bummed at all, the next song's gonna make me Clint Boy real happy. One oh, of my yeah. favorite songs off Kill 'Em All. They play Motor Breath. Such they do such a, this song kicks so much ass in this. Yeah, my first note is just it absolutely just kicks ass. What can yeah. you say? <laughs> You're right. The, those Kirk hammer-ons and pull-offs. Anytime I hear that song on the record or live, that battle, 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 battle. Right. I just think that part is so it's so simple but so fucking fun as a guitar player. Yeah, it totally is. I love that part. It just fucking rocks, dude. Yeah, man, it uh, rocks. It really rocks out in the middle of fucking nowhere. Man, when Kirk Hammett rocks out on that part, man, so good. You know what I like to do when I'm rocking out? (laughs) Sometimes when I'm rocking out, my throat gets dry, and nothing soothes the dry, arid corners of my throat like Coca-Cola Classic. (laughs) Rock out with Coke. I thought you were going to do a commercial for the Halls of Medicine. I could do a commercial for the Halls of Medicine, the Annals of Medicine. Yeah, when you're rocking out. You know, it's good when you're rocking out eight hours of sleep. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Drink lots of water, go to bed early, take some probiotics. And you will feel dynamite the next morning. Maybe a little juicing. So now, after Motor Breath, they don't leave the stage, but they're kind of like waiting around for the second encore. And this is where they, they actually do show extended shots of Lars, who seems to be really taking all like the crowd in. You're on the other side of a kick-ass show. Like I, I gotta imagine when you're making, you're documenting a show that might potentially be a DVD or whatever. 
when you burn it down and you know that you're on the other side of it and that it was good, that's got to be a very relieving feeling. Of course, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I did a, uh, with my old, old ska band, we did a live record and recorded over three nights on tour. And every night that we, we really felt like we nailed it, it, it was a good feeling knowing that, like, and this is like, I mean, they, yeah, they worked in Pro Tools with it, but like, when I talked to the guys that recorded it, they were like, yeah, we didn't really alter anything as far as like timing, whatever, because we didn't play to a click or anything, so much like Metallica. But um, it was a good feeling walking off stage, like, man, we fucking nailed it tonight. That's going right. to sound good, you know? Yeah, that's cool. He, yeah, he just, you know, his work is mostly done. They got one more song to do. They landed it. They're in a fucking amazing place in an amazing country. What? It's just so weird they can go anywhere in the world, and there's just tens and tens of thousands of people that show up wearing Ride the Lightning shirts and, yep. you know, the like Lodera shirts and banners from other countries. And know all their songs, even if it's not an, an English-speaking country. It's just right. What a fucking wild ride those dudes have been on for so long. Hang on a hey, 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 hang on a second. They don't speak English over there. Hey, wait a minute. Wait I a think second, we should man. call them. I think we should call them goddamn motherfucking freedom fries. Is what I think. Because you right, know man. what? You know what we'll do? We'll put a boot in your ass. That's the American way, man. Hey. <laughs> Hey, you want to come over here? You speak our language that I That's even right. hardly know. If I can't do, even really speak it. If you don't like it, man, you can pack your bags and leave. See, like, Papa wouldn't even like that guy. I don't think Papa. I don't think Papa would be friends with him. Hey, you know what? If you don't speak our language, you can get the heck out of here. Papa would be like, well, son, I'm not sure if you realize that this country was founded on immigrants and that your daddy's daddy's daddy was surely an immigrant, too. And if we come to a point where we close our doors to the immigrants, we turn our back on the very foundation of the formation of this country. Well, well make America great again, though, man. I, if you, you Listen, I'm going to go eat some freedom fries and drink some freedom wine and uh, put some butter on some freedom bread. Well, I tell you what, that sounds like pretty unhealthy appetite right there. What we do is we grow our own food, mostly organic, and we keep the suffering of the animals to a bare minimum. Hey, I'm part hey. away by saying, well, I'll just leave here by saying, if we sold our doors to the immigrants and we become no better, you can't become a monster to kill the monster, okay? Well, well listen, man, I'm just trying to make this country better, and if you don't like it, you can you can leave. You, you sound like a hippie. <laughs> Well, I smoked a little bit of grass in my day, but uh, I'm, I'm drug-free these days. I can't really, and my body doesn't have the constitution for it. But uh, I reckon what will truly make America great again is when we remember that we are a country with open doors and open borders. Well, you know what, man? Freedom is my drug. Well, I hope you won't mind me saying I hope you overdose on it this very evening. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. Who knew, who knew that Pawpaw was, like, a true patriot? He you know? really is, man. He really is, like, a... Re he's, like, read the history books. <laughs> yeah, and he, he may be He may be a backwoods, cannibalistic tow truck driver, but he knows his goddamn American Constitution, Ethan. That's right. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't celebrate Columbus Day. <laughs> let's talk about Seek and Destroy so we can get out of here. All right, let's do it. They played it. That's about it, folks. James is back on that ESP Explorer Nash, Kirk on the old Jackson V. I yep. like that. I do like to do this whole tune with all the house lights on. Yeah, I love that's, that. That's, he, he even asks, like, hey, can we see everybody? That's another thing that Pearl Jam does. Pearl Jam does that right. sometimes, too. 
Yeah, you yeah. just kind of, you, it, it kind of takes like all the like, it's like, look, we're all here together. All the yeah. show business, magic trick shit's gone. Yeah. Let's just sing it together and be able to look at each other in the eye. They drop all the fun fucking death magnetic black yep. beach balls. They're all kicking them around. It's not quite as fun as the Quebec magnetic where they're wearing the masks for Halloween. Right, sure. But it does still, it feels, it's weird because it feels like they just had this kick-ass two-hour show. And then it feels like at the very end of it, they're having a party. Exactly, yeah. It's no, I, really lo- cool. I love when I love when bands do that and turn all the house lights on. Like, or even when uh, was it on the was it on Quebec Magnetic where they, the first song all the house lights were on? They do that on Cunning Stunts. Or Cunning Stunts, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. They, they do so what, and then they play that with all the lights on, and then as soon as that ends, all the lights go out and they go into creeping. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that on either end of the set. Yeah, I agree. Quebec Magnetic starts all dark, and there's only for the whole. That was just your life oh, performance. That's right. There's only a light on James's face. That's right. That's so fucking creepy and cool. I know. So cool. I miss that song, man. Death, Death Magnetic is such a treasure of great Metallica songs. It really is. And you know, it's been out long enough now. I mean, it's 10 years old this year. And, yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, I can honestly ignore the the production and, and mixing flaws nowadays. Absolutely, absolutely. I can li- I can listen to it for what it is. Like, yeah, it doesn't sound great, but you know what? I put my, my mindset is like, this is a thrash record, and it kind of sounds like a thrash record. And I, it's but it's great songwriting, great solos, great drum parts, all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like what it's what was exciting. It has elements of what was exciting about the first three or four records. Uh, but it's got it's the mature songwriting, you know. The songwriting's mature, right? What's going on over there? Do you have a guitar again? No, no, sorry. I uh, I moved my arm and I hit the hit the cable. It was plugged into my phone and it unplugged you for a second. So we're all good. We're we're fine now. Everything's fine here. Well, do you have any concluding wrapped up thoughts about the 2009 Francois un however you say it? Nimes. Nimes. Um. Nine and I think this uh, is one of their best performances. And as I was watching it for the whatever if time, I kept thinking to myself, okay, this is almost 10 years ago. They were in their 40s, but still, I'm like, dude, these guys are in their 40s. I'm not even 40 yet. They're in their mid 40s at this point, like ripping through these songs. And to see their, the, the joy and excitement and the love for their fans throughout this whole performance, like it just got me so stoked to, to watch it and to be a tiny little speck in the Metallica world. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, it's. I'm not complaining that they document all this stuff. I, I'll take more of it. I, I'll put all the pizza in the freezer out back, please, and I'll and I'll get to it when I when I can. Yeah, it, yeah I'm with you, man. I, I, I don't. You know, I, I would hate if Metallica was this crazy, mysterious band that we didn't hear a thing from, and <clears throat> even when they're off for a long time, there's still content to be watched and to listen to and whatever. And yeah, Headfield might be on the silent front because that's just who he is nowadays, and he's focused on his family. But like, man, give me all the Metallica you can you can dish out. I'll take it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, it's been good to uh, connect with you. It's been good to do the show with me to, for me today. To it's get out of my routine out here and talk good. Metallica. Hell yeah. With thirty thousand of my closest Metallica friends. Exactly. It's actually three hundred thousand. Oh, whoopsie. Um, well, thanks well, so much for listening. Yeah, we appreciate it. It's it's always good to, to hang here with you folks. We're, of course, on the socials all throughout the week. If you just can't get enough of me and Ethan, come hang with us on Instagram and Twitter. 
all that stuff. Now, I will leave you by saying, go leave the iTunes review if you haven't. It only takes a second. Or don't do it. Both totally a-okay. We're fine. That's here's. I'm, I'm leaving you guys with some homework. So there's some homework. No, that's number one. Number two, go watch every season and every episode back-ordered of American Gladiators. Okay. Uh, yes. You heard the clip earlier. You've got to watch it. Also, if... Uh, you haven't seen The Karate Kid. What the fuck is your problem? Go see The Karate Kid. Go rent it. Buy it on iTunes. Whatever. And then watch Cobra Kai because it's fucking great. Then watch Cobra Kai. Then check out our Patreon. And then at the bare minimum, don't forget the the limited edition. We only have about 20 more out of 30 available. Cover Our World Black in t-shirts. You can find the link to go find the campaign for those shirts. They're only $18. And they you can get them in three different colors. Black, gray, or white. They have them in all sizes and will ship to anywhere on the goddamn planet. So Do it. go go to our Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook to find the link to that because when they're gone, they are literally gone forever. And yeah. you will miss out on your opportunity to be a part of the Metal Podcast history. Do it now. Anything else? Uh, I don't think so, man. Uh, I wish you luck in your, your performance tonight and safe travels. Well, I will certainly see you in a few days when we get home and when is your uh, when's your show coming up? That Exit got, Inn show. Yeah, I've got a show at Exit Inn in Nashville on um, August third. It's next Friday. We, it's a week from today, which we're recording this. But if you're listening to this on a Monday, it's this Friday. Exit Inn in Nashville. I'm playing with an old ska band called Five Iron Frenzy that I've known for years, and uh, it's going to be a good show. I think this show is like three quarters sold. All right, cool. Nice. And I will have a limited number of uh, CDs there. I'm not releasing the record probably until September, but I figured I've got these extra CDs. I've got to set aside some of them for Kickstarter backers, but um, I'm going to uh, do a little pre-sale that night, and people can get the record early. Fun. So well, fun. everyone go check that out and put a uh, put a flag in your calendar for the release of Let It Burn, Ethan Luck's debut full-length reggae ska record. going to be fun. In, wi- in which... The wonderful world known guitarist Clint Wells cameoed for one song. Uh, Clint Wells, now if you get the vinyl, Clint, it will be on track one of Side B. Hello. Hello, Side B. <laughs> well, thanks to everyone for listening. We appreciate all of your support. We couldn't do it without you. You make this wonderful journey we're on together worth it. And with that, let's just go ahead and humbly and with gratitude in our hearts and our buttocks mm. say peace. Adios. If you were our advisor, what would you say? Then I would say, delete that. <laughs>